All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bearded Gear podcast. This is episode number 17, and I'm joined today uh, by my buddy Tyler of EDC Gear Reviews. And uh, I've been watching EDC Gear Reviews since long before I had a channel. (laughs) Um, I, I distinctly remember watching your channel way before I was recording anything of my own, just as I was kind of getting into the knife hobby. I feel like you've been reviewing knives for quite a while now and uh, guns as well, which I'm sure we'll, we'll go across that, that topic I actually just picked up my newest firearm today. So um, that's nice. fresh on my mind, but uh, how are you, Tyler? How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure is all mine. So yeah. first things first, how long have you been on YouTube? I didn't like look back at what your first upload was. Oh, I haven't either. So it's been at least six years. I think. Okay. Maybe more than that. I could look really quick. Yeah, that's a good while. Six years. That puts yeah. us back to like 2015-ish. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll, I haven't looked at this in a long time. So we'll just we'll just check real quick. I'll just hop into my YouTube studio, you know, that fun stuff. And yeah, you probably sort by oldest, right? Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't take too long to figure it out. Uh, by date. Let's see here. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those aren't, those don't count. Those are like old videos. So <laughs> I would say like my first, um, knife video was actually even long, was eight years ago. Wow. Ooh. 2013. Okay. And it was the ZT 560 CBCF. Do you remember mm. that knife? It was a, it was a special yes. run. Oh no! Wait, I had a no. Nope, I had one before that. Same time frame though. Uh, the the Boker Epicenter. <laughs> that one I don't know. I know Boker, but I don't know the Epicenter. That, that knife was a Todd Rexford um, oh. design. It was actually way cool, but it had major like everyone had issues with it. it had lock rod kicked went crazy, and it just it was a cool design. Very cool design. Just horribly executed by Boker. Big surprise, mm. right? Yeah. So <laughs> they've gotten better, I think. But I was going to say, I yeah. feel like those types of issues in general are less prevalent now in the knife world. Like the, really, the standard yeah. of minimum <laughs> minimum quality has, has risen. Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, it's, I can't believe it's been that long. That's crazy. It's just been eight years. Um, and I started with knives and I did, then I got into doing a lot of gun stuff and other gear. And then it's like some prepping stuff. And my channel has kind of always been multifaceted. It's never been one subject you know mm-hmm. which if i could go back i would probably change because it's oh, okay. it's hard it's kind of hard to like maintain all of those different things and create content on those and i would say majority of my videos are knife videos for sure you know right. that's more than but and a lot of that is because of um you know some recent i shouldn't say recent but some changes youtube made years ago you know for monetization and stuff like that so right. a, lot of gun, a lot of gun channels were kind of hurting um because of that so i kind of shifted my focus more to knives yeah didn't uh, your, your channel used to be called at one point edc gear and gun reviews right or was it always edc gear reviews no it has gone through many names i shouldn't say many i think three name changes it was originally okay. it was originally knives guns and gear that was like the first <laughs> name my channel <clears throat> and it was that for a long time i should have grabbed a drink i might have to grab grab some um and i'll, I'll excuse you if you need to go for <laughs> just grab some water real quick but um it was knives guns and gear for a lot of years and mm-hmm. i started i don't know why honestly it's like one day i had this like hey let's change the name of the channel i don't know why but uh, i think it was because i was shifting more away from guns maybe um mm-hmm. and so i went to edc gear reviews 
So what it is now, yep. I did switch back to putting the guns in there because I started doing more gun videos and I just thought it was too long of a name, mm. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's, it's hard to like come up with a unique name, right? Like your, Very. your name is really unique. It's, it's good. You know what I mean? Bearded gear. Cause I, I like that. I've always liked that, you know, and I like see a lot of guys like left EDC really fits him cause he's a lefty, you know? Right. Um, but it's just so many channels out there. It's like so hard to diverse, you know, diversify yourself from everyone else. So yeah. When yeah. I decided to start mine, I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to call it. I'd been on Instagram as knives, guns, cars for a long time. And I posted automotive photography in between pictures of knives and sometimes guns. And, uh, I couldn't decide what I wanted my YouTube channel to be called. And so I made a list of like 20 names that I just like spitball, just threw them all on a piece of paper. And then I picked a couple like silently that I thought were kind of my favorites. Then I showed the list to my wife. And Bearded Gear was one of the like three that were at the top of my list. And then the other two I thought were good names. I don't remember. I should try to find that list. But they each had EDC in them. And my wife, when I showed her the list, she's like, it can't say EDC. That sounds dumb. And I was like, that's because you're not in it. You're not in, you're not part of the community. <laughs> oh, that's like, funny. <laughs> but it's funny because to her, someone from the outside, she was like, it shouldn't say that because unless you're like in it, then you don't know if someone stumbles on your channel, you want them to like, everyone knows what gear is and everyone knows what beards are. And so like, I was just like, yeah, I, it was at the top of my list anyways. So let's go with that. So I just did it. That's I funny. made a cheap logo on some random app and then like ran with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's funny. Uh, we'll have to come back to that car conversation. I'm interested in that because sure. I have a, a background in cars too. So you said you did automobile photography, but let me let me just grab my water bottle real quick and I'll be right sure. back. Yeah, no problem. So for those of you who are listening, while Tyler is getting water, since I don't want to cut this out later, <laughs> keep talking. Um, it's funny. So I was working in automotive when I started watching Tyler's channel. And uh, I was working basically a desk job. Most days I was in the sales office. And there were a few channels that I watched a lot of as I was like really getting into the hobby of knives and EDC gear reviews was one of those channels where um, he had a lot of content and a, a library already that I could go back in. So it was like him slicey dicey. And uh, sorry, I was, I was talking to the people. No, I heard it all. I've got my okay. earphones in. So my AirPods. So yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so it, it's interesting. Like it's funny if I would have, back then when I was getting into the hobby of knives, was watching these YouTube videos. If I had imagined that now, fast forward to today, I'd be hosting my own podcast in this realm and having you on it. One of the channels that like, not that you're some celebrity or an unreachable person by any means, but like, yeah. it, I just never would have guessed that this would be where my life is right now that I'd be sitting, having this conversation. That's kind of exciting. It's cool that, um, no, that is cool. I always like hearing that. I, I ran into a, do you know who Mallory designs is? Yeah. He, Dylan Mallory's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He actually like, I reviewed one of his knives and he reached out to me. He's like, this is so cool. This is so cool. This is like a, a full circle experience. Like I've been watching your channel for years and I'm a big fan. And then you are reviewing one of my knives. And I was like, that is awesome. You know, like I had no, yeah. I, I love hearing that kind of stuff. Cause it's, you know, it's fun to, uh, cause I have been around a long time and I've, I've never, I've never really like dedicated a lot of time to this. Um, it's a hobby. Yeah. It's something to do on the side. You know what I mean? Like, which, which is, I think most of us, right. Sure. You know, there's some of those guys back in the day when I was doing gun stuff that were like quitting their jobs cause they were making good money and they could. And I'm like, that was the, the dream. Right. But then right. it all came crashing down a lot of them. So 
um, I knew I kind of always had to like not do this full time and just do it as a hobby. And, you know, I've got family, three kids and time is, you know, not the, I don't have the most time to do it, but I, I do enjoy it. So I've continued to do it. I kind of had, I've gone over the last eight years. I'm sure I've gone on some hiatuses where I didn't upload for a while, you know, mm-hmm. but I try to be pretty consistent. I think that's key to, um, you know, keeping your audience and keeping subscribers and, you know, and such as just consist- consistently uploading. But yeah. so you were, you were working in automotive, like selling cars. Yeah. So I, uh, I got started in automotive selling at Lexus, um, sold there for a little bit, not super long. Um, and then I went from there, I spent like a couple weeks at a Nissan dealership, which was just a terrible, like no foot traffic, very small, bad to be on floor sales kind of dealership. And that didn't last. Like as soon as I took that job, I was already looking for other ones. So then I went from there to BMW. I was at BMW for a little while. And then from that BMW dealer, I got out of the business for a little bit. And then ended up going back to a different BMW dealer later was there for, that was the longest dealership I was at. It was in orange County. Um, really enjoyed that. And then there was a big like managerial changeover. So at that point I was in internet sales was doing pretty well. I went from there to Audi. I was at Audi for a little bit before I left car sales and went into aftermarket. And then I worked for an aftermarket parts company and I ran the sales department, um, a little small startup, just a couple of us there. And so I wore a lot of hats. I got to work closely with the Honda factory race effort for their off-road racing program, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, got to like go to off-road races and mid 400 and Baja and all kinds of fun stuff. And, um, it was interesting, but yeah, in the midst of all that, I was into photography and went to a ton of car meets. Cause that's like what I did for fun. So mostly like LA exotic car meets. And, uh, I would just shoot a ton of pictures of cars that I was into and, and uploaded them for fun. But I, I hardly ever did it like for money. If so, it was usually cause a buddy wanted photos of his car. And then it was like, I'd do it for pretty cheap and he'd buy me dinner kind of thing. Yeah, that's cool. That's funny. Cause I've been in sales my whole life. Like pretty much the last 20 plus years in and automotive. No, no, I've never done car sales and I've always okay. been a car enthusiast. Like I used to race cars back in the day. Oh, um, rad. Yeah. That's why I was curious when you brought that up. I was like, Oh, that's kind of was my other hobby for a long time. Like before I was married. <laughs> sure. It's hard to have that hobby when you're married. That's virtually sure. impossible. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. So it's replaced by knives and gear and stuff. Um, sure. It really was because I, yeah, I used to do um, autocross a little bit. I did um, drag racing like back in the day when Fast and the Furious first came out. Yeah. A long time that like sparked my, you know, like interest in fast cars. And I bought an Acura Integra was like my first car uh, that I bought my own money. And one of my best friends had an Integra in high school and I loved driving that car. Yeah. I I love that car. I, I, yeah that car went from like being bone stock to like being a drag racing 10 second car and I mean, I had 600 wheel horsepower at the wheels. Like, so I was really into racing and, and cars and such for a long time. Um, then I got married and had a kid. So, um, bought a house, sold the car, you know, and it was kind yeah. of like, I didn't really stop there. Like I started getting into Subarus actually like the WRX and the STIs. Mm-hmm. And I used to do some autocross and the Subaru, um, Subarus are huge out here in the West. Well, you're in the West, um, in Utah and yeah, 
Um, There's a big actually, WRX culture, and even like I'm sure yeah everywhere. Stuff. My yeah. brother's got a Forester um, that he's all about, and he's got just like the little Cobb tuning kit on it. And Cobb uh, tuning's in Salt Lake, actually. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. There was a big scene here for a long time for um, you know, imports and and domestics. We we have a rate. We had a racetrack that we did like midnight drags at, so we would stop street racing. And um, not that I ever street raced, I never did that. Of course. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, just like I that, never carry automatic knives. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, th- it was fun because we'd go out there this, this track and do the midnight drags every Friday night. And, you know, I had a bunch of buddies that were big into it when I'm in my next door, like I lived in a duplex when I was first married and my next door neighbor, um, was like my mechanic and my tuner. Mm-hmm. Like he was big into doing the uh, dyno tuning and such. He was a genius when it comes to that kind of stuff. He, and he raced, pretty professionally actually in a sport um, front wheel drive in HRA. Oh, okay. So I did a few of those. We traveled a little bit, did that for a little while. So, but that kind of came, you know, it came to a halt pretty quick once you have a wife and kids. <laughs> right. Especially so, the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. The wife was, was actually fun. It was fun when we first were married because she would travel with us and, you know, do that kind of stuff. But yeah, as soon as she got pregnant and had the kid, it was like life definitely changed and, you know, right. for a good, a good reason, you know, Right. It's kind of funny though. That same friend of mine that um, was my like mechanic and such, he's still he's still doing it. Going ham. Yeah, he just still does tuning and races himself. And his son was his son's like eighteen, something like that. And he races. It, it's just crazy to see that he's still in that. You know, just his passion, which is cool. You know, he stuck with it no matter what. But it, it's an expensive hobby, way more than knives and. Right. Yeah. Things, it's interesting to break on cars a lot when they're fast. <laughs> yeah. I think part of why I got into knives originally, I'd always carried a knife, been into knives, but I was also always into firearms, but like collecting knives is way easier and cheaper, especially at the entry point. You can yeah. definitely get to some knives that cost oh, yeah. more than quite a few firearms do. But like for me starting out, it was like, I only had, one or two guns and the idea of like spending 500 bucks on something that was just for me, frankly, for fun was like, I couldn't pitch that to my wife while we've got a kid. Like that's not going to happen. Right. So it was like, if I buy this knife, that's under a hundred bucks, that's easy like that I can do. And then you like get the bug and you end up, you look at your, now I look at my knife collection. It's like, if I turned that into all guns, I could have a pretty sweet collection of guns too. Um, But they're, they're smaller bites to take, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Like, yeah, I got into when I first got into knives. I think everyone does, right? You kind of start with budget knives. You know, yeah. I remember I got a a Kershaw. Oh, it was a Warncliffe blade. What was it called? Is needs it work. Yeah, Kershaw needs work. Mm. Look that one up if you don't know what that is. But that was like my first is. like um, kind of modern, I guess, pocket knife. I had a Gerber Gator and some, you know, some of those like buck traditional knives and stuff, but. Um, that was like my first one. And that kind of, that's actually the knife that kind of got me hooked. You know, that mm. kind of got me started on this whole hobby. So I actually still have it somewhere. I don't think it functions anymore. The speed safe broke on it, which, which most Kershaws do. And needs I, it. I tried to mod it and do stupid things to it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. <laughs> I think I practiced sharpening on it. You know, it's like, but I've, I've kept it around forever, but yeah, it, you got to start somewhere. That's where most people start. That's why I do like to cover budget knives on my channel. Yeah. Not a, I don't do it as much um, as I used to, but I try to just because there's that there's always going to be that new person that's into knives that 
you know, like we just talked about that doesn't want to spend 500 bucks or even $200, you know, to them, a $50 knife is expensive. And, um, it's good to do those videos too, because there's the quality of budget knives is, is pretty crazy right now. Like what you can get for the money is way better than at least when I started. Yeah. Even just a few years ago when I got into like buying knives regularly, I mean, I'd grown up, like I was well aware of my dad had bench maids and we had cold steels and like, um, I never, I was never super into Spyderco, but like there were decent knives around. And then when ZT came out, my dad and my brothers and I each got like a ZT. I still have my O three fifty to my closet, but, um, like when that knife came out, that was like, this is so nice and it was at the time like if you're not somebody who's deep in the weeds in the hobby it's objectively a pretty nice knife especially in 2009 or 10 whatever that was yeah um, but yeah like the idea of these knives that like Civivi and cjrb and some of these like qsp these companies are blowing out of the water a lot of the features that used to be very cost prohibitive and it's all just trickled right down to them yeah and it's interesting because it's you see it, I mean, Kershaw and even Spyderco with like the Tenacious back in the day, they had those those Chinese-made knives and they were just, you're, these are all Chinese-made knives we're talking about, CRGB and all these, but their quality is way better. Like, yeah. not even close, you know? And it it's interesting that Kershaw was having those made all those years and, and you know, Spyderco and a few other uh, brands overseas, but wasn't reaching that level of quality. So I just don't know if it's an innovation and, in, you know, just over time, which is probably what, you know, what it is. But yeah, I think a lot of these OEMs that we're making knives for these companies are now just making their own knives. <laughs> you right. know, that's, I think that's where all they kind of, they all got kind of their start, right? It's probably true. Or at least people who were involved in those OEMs have yeah. created their own. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Like when you think about like the, the budget Kershaw's now that are still like 50 bucks and under, feel pretty stagnant like they they're kind of still what they used to be same thing with like crkt and gerber and these brands that like play in that range from the u.s having them built over there and yeah even spiderco still they're like they're chinese like their best budget offering is probably still the tenacious and it's like yeah what are you guys doing like there's there's other players who are just unless you just don't care about that segment segment you're just trying to ride it out i don't get why not advance a little you know yeah, and I think, you know, you think about those brands and they've, they've established themselves in like big box stores like Walmart and Cabela's and, you know, Bass Pro sure. Shop, stuff like that. Those kind of sporting goods stores. So you're not going to see, I don't think you will see like, you know, a CRJB go get into a big box store because of those relationships they have. So, you know, there's that market. I bet they do really well in those stores because that's like yeah. the, the, maybe the beginning knife guy like we talked about when we first got in the hobby or it's just, I've got a lot of friends that are, so this is actually a good conversation for this since you're into guns too, but do you have a lot of friends that are into guns also, or is it mostly just a decent bit? I'd probably say I actually have more like real life friends, like in the hobby, I'm friends with a ton of people that are in knives, but like real life buddies that I've known for a while or gotten to know recently, I have more friends that are into guns than guys that are into knives. Yeah. And same, same with me, like in real, you know, real life. (laughs) Um, I shoot, I shoot a lot with a lot of guys and it's, it's really funny because those guys all carry like cheap beater Kershaw knives. Right. You know, unless I've given my friends a better knife, usually that's what you'll find. Exactly. And we always have this conversation. Like I have another buddy that's really into knife. He has like, 
he gets his hands on a lot of customs, like mm. really nice customs, like, and he's, and he, so we have a mutual friend that's really big in the custom knives and he sells knives for him all the time. Like he just has a, he has a pretty good size Instagram page. So he, he says, Hey, Eric, sell my knives for me. You know, I just, I just want to move on to this other stuff. He's got just an insane collection. He actually lives like a few streets down from me, which okay. I didn't know until, um, the USN show uh, a couple of years ago, but. So he, he's actually one of those gun guys, but he's really big into knives uh, and he's really big into guns and he'll post some knives and sometimes, Hey, I'm selling this guys and the guys in the gun chat are like, Oh my gosh, I could buy like four AR-15s for that knife or, you know what right. I mean? That, that's, that's a gun. I'm never going to pay, pay that much. And How many Glock this, 19s is that? Yeah. Yeah. And we always have this conversation. We're like, guys, like it's, it's all relative. Like it's about quality of a tool, right? Like, Right. It's a really tough conversation to, you know, there, there, there's not a lot of guys like you and I or, or him that are like really into both sides and right. that get both sides. You know what I mean? There's really not. Yeah. It's like, and, and I think I have that, I have a little bit of parody with my channel because of that. Like you got those gun guys that watch my gun videos and they don't give a crap about my knife videos right. <laughs> or, or like where I've had comments. Oh my gosh, that's way too expensive. You're, you spend that much money on knife, you know? And there's just that parody between those two hobbies. Yeah. And I would love to see that come together, but come together, come together better. You know what I mean? Cause it's, right. I don't know. I don't know why they can't, I can appreciate a, you know, $700 knife as much as I can appreciate a $700 gun. Yeah. They, I do they, find, to them they can't. Yeah. I think a lot of people like they do find that it's common ground to be into either or not mm -hmm. without, like there are certainly some knife guys who are vehemently anti-gun and yeah. probably, I, I don't know if there's gun guys who are anti-knife, but there's definitely gun yeah. guys who aren't into knives. But yeah, I think the the big disparity between them is the perceived value of a knife compared to a gun. And I had this when I got into the hobby. Like I said, for me, the idea of spending gun amounts of money on a knife was like, no, 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 like mm -hmm. no way. And the first time I broke that rule was with my Koenig Arius. And it was the first time where I was like, I actually do want that knife more than I want a new Glock. Like, and that's really what it is, right? Like that's a Glock or a Smith and Wesson M and P like that's, that's not that nice of a gun. And it's a really nice knife. <laughs> um, but there's also like with collectability, that's where everything gets hazy because the same guys who are like, there's no way a knife should cost that much. You could say that about like a Wilson combat, whatever, 1911, that's way overpriced compared to a, a budget 1911 that they both shoot 45 ACP, you know, like the same capacity, like it's, you're missing each other on that. And it's, it's about understanding the depth of the hobby, I think, and where the collectability comes into it and scarcity of they only make this many of those. And that maker is really cool. And he uses these special processes but to the normal person, if a gun is just a gun, then it's like, why would I spend $10,000 on that, whatever it is, when I could get a, a, a gun that also shoots nine millimeter for 500. <laughs> yeah. It's the no, same kind of argument. It really is. Yeah. And, and they say it, they, cause they say it the, the opposite way. Well, my $30 Kershaw cuts as good as yours, you know, $400 Strider. Okay. $400 First of all, it Strider. doesn't. But... Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not true. <laughs> not <laughs> It for a moment things and they do the same motion and they may, you know what I mean? But yeah, you know, and I always will throw back at them. I'm like, well, how often do you use your gun? Like not very often, unless you're going to the range just to shoot, right? You're not, but how often do you use a knife, a daily, it's a daily occurrence, a few times, many times a day for some of us, you know what I mean? Some people more than others, but 
it's something I use all the time. So I can appreciate having a quality tool to that I use constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, gun I carry on a daily basis, or I, you know, I go shooting pretty frequently. But like at the same time, I definitely get way more use out of knives than I do guns. Like, right. and I and I hope that's always the case. <laughs> hope I'm not using my guns all the time. You know what I mean? Like that would be a bad thing to be happy. But if, if you're training, that's good. But if you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like in real life scenarios, like right. yeah, I don't want it. That's not the idea. Is not to have to do that. But hopefully, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. You know, there, there's some parody, and mm-hmm. I'm starting to. It's kind of fun though, because I because I have a, a lot of friends that are into guns and stuff. A lot of them are getting more into knives. So a couple of those guys work at a gun sh- a, a gun shop. They sell Benchmade and um, maybe Microtech, kind of the standard ones that are sold in gun shops, like mm-hmm. you know the more tactical style knives, I guess. Sure. And they're starting to get into you know into knives. My buddy, I sharpened his. Uh, he's got a Benchmade automatic. I think it's the. Oh shoot! Models No, it's like a side opening. Um, oh, CLA, I think. Mentioned Sounds CLA. Right. Um, I sharpened it for him because it was. So we were actually came back from shooting one day. We were outside my house, just kind of chatting, and these guys had pocket clips, you know. And I'm always interested what people were carrying. So I'm like, hey, what knife are you carrying? And the one guy actually, um, he he got out a. Uh, oh, it was, it's an older Benchmade. I can't think of the model. It's discontinued now. It's an automatic, but it had like just a massive like four inch blade. It was like almost like a um, scimitar, you know, shaped kind of mm. blade. I can't remember the model. The, like the Casbah or something? No, it's a discontinued model, but it, mm. it was like in the worst shape ever, you know, just like totally dull and just like nasty. And then my other buddy whoops out this Benchmade CLA and it's completely, and what do I do? I initially just go right to my arm hair, right? And I'm like, this right. isn't even shaving. This is, I'm, actually, I didn't even do that. I think I just felt that, because I knew it wasn't gonna be sharp. Yeah. So I just ran my thumb over it. I was like, this is so dull. <laughs> so it kind of started a conversation. I'm like, Hey, I'll sharpen this for you if you want me to, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, that'd be great. So since I've done that though, like it sparked his interest. Like he watched my bench made mini Adamas uh, video and he's like, that is such great, awesome knife. And we've got him at the shop now. I think I'm going to buy one. And you start seeing that like, the okay. spark. and this guy also just dropped like a ton of money on a staccato um, C2, like, which are super expensive, right? right. Like, and it's like kind of funny because you know he's kind of starting to go that way with the knife and but you start getting that way with guns too where you can start climbing up in those you know instead of those glocks you get into stuff like that it's to me like i'm also at that point where i look at that gun this tocado's sweet i don't know if you were shot one but they're just smooth and you know it's a it's a 2011 so it's a double stack 1911 essentially right really really nice like super flat shooting but for me i'm just like i'm not gonna put down that kind of cash on that. Like, I feel like right. my, you know, a lot of the guns I have shoot just as nice and they're you know, they're striker fired. And it, it, it's good. It's, it's the same way with knives. Like I, yeah. I don't get into the custom game and I don't think I will. I did yeah. for a little bit. I dabbled in there for a short time. Wasn't for me. I was like, yeah, there's a lot of production knives, high end production knives is really where I, think I land. You know what I mean? That's like my sweet spot. So you kind of find that in any hobby, right? You kind of find that like with knives, you find it with guns where you're just kind of, you have that peak, that limit that you don't really want to go over. Like right. you said, like the Arius for you and the Arius is a beautiful knife, right? Great. Phenomenal. And it is, it is gun money. It is like a nice gun money. You know what I mean? But that, I don't know. Do you think you, what's your limit? Do you have, I mean, shouldn't, do you have a limit right now? Do you have a, like a, a top that you would 
not go into, not go over, you know, that's tough. Cause I, I've broken that rule multiple times in the <laughs> past. Now. Like the at first it was like, I won't spend over 300. Then it's like, okay, never over 500. And then it's like for a while, the Arius was the most expensive knife I bought. But then sometimes like there had been a, a couple of cases where I'd trade like a knife plus cash or two knives for something that was worth like seven or 800 bucks or um, just now, like two weeks ago, I bought a Holt haptic. Oh yeah, that's right. Grand. And yeah. it's the first time I spent four figures on a knife, you know, like that was a big deal for me. Um, but I don't know, like, I think the world of customs is very interesting. And there are certainly some makers that I would love to have pieces from because I've gotten to know them to a degree. And I really like them. And I like the production knives if they have them that I've experienced. And like, that kind of thing is a lot of fun for me. But I'm also like, I struggle when I start seeing like utility decline. <laughs> I It's kind of like with, with cars, like there's a whole market of collectible cars that are collectible because they're scarce and not because they're high performance. And for me, it's like, if a car happens to be really high performance, super fun to drive, beautiful and is rare, that's okay. But I don't look at cars just for their rarity, right? I, I'd be more tempted to look at cars that are undervalued because of some marketing reason that are actually really high performance for the dollar. Like that kind of stuff intrigues me in hobbies in general. Um, but I also never say never, like <laughs> there could come a time where you'll catch me spending insane amounts of money. If my financial situation drastically changes, then like maybe yeah. I'll spend 10 grand on a knife one day and I'll smile while I do it. But for now, like the haptic was a grand. I don't know yet whether it's going to be a long-term keeper for me. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I'm going to shoot my full review in the next day or two, but it's weird to me to have a a knife that's worth a grand. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm only going to get so much use out of this, not even because I'm unwilling to use it, but because I have so many knives in my collection that I'm always going to be carrying and I'm going to be carrying whatever's new to review more than anything that I already own. And it's like, is it worth it to me to have a thousand dollars sitting there solid in a case instead of liquid that I can be using to buy other stuff and try new things. So I don't know. It's a, it's this weird gray area. Yeah. Do, it, do you have like a rule for yourself? Is there a limit? It's yeah, it, it's gone up, you know, over the years. And, you know, um, when I got into striders pretty heavy, striders can get kind of expensive, Yes, they but can. I never got, I never got like above a custom, like I never got a custom strider. I've always had just, you know, the standard, um, I, don't, I hate to call them production because they don't make very many of them, but you know what I mean? They are technically production knife. Um, small batch. You know, yeah. Small batch. That's a great, it's a great terminology. Um, I got into those quite a bit and I had many, I had, you know, a bunch of those, but that, that was kind of my peak. I think the limit, you know what I mean? I never really got, I never bought it. I ever buy Grimsmo Norseman. I think I might've, but I, I got it for way less than what they go for now. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I look at knives like the, the Arius, the, the haptic. I'm like, Ooh, I would really like that, but I'm like, is it that much? Is it a thousand dollar knife? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that I am the same way. I like, I have a hard time spending yeah. that much, you know? Um, and like you said, like if my financial situation changed, you know, like when I was driving home from that USN show, um, down in Vegas a couple of years ago and I had, um, I think 30 or $40,000 of the customs in my car. 
So you were about was, as proxy was, or what? Yeah, well, I was bringing them back for um, our friend that lives here. They flew, and he didn't want to check them, you know. And he's like, "Hey, since you're driving home," and I was like, "Well, absolutely," you know. He's like, "Yeah, feel free to check him out," and I didn't even touch him. Yeah, I didn't touch one of them. I, I looked at him, and I was like, "This is I just too much money." Like, <laughs> I'm afraid if I do something, you know, like I don't the want to be cost of a scuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be. It's a tenth. I mean, he had. I can't even remember all the makers, man. But some some custom stuff that I hadn't even heard of, like makers. I was like, "Who?" You know, my like, pay grade. Yeah. Oh, way, way, way above my pay grade. And it's funny because I look at a lot of the, they're they're more art, really, to me. You know what I mean? I think you get to that point where a knife is more art than it is tool. You know, yeah. um, and I can't. I'm like, there's no way he carries these. Like, there's no way he carries and uses these knives. And for me, I've I've kind of always not been a collector. I don't want to say. I mean, I people would call me a collector that aren't into knives. You know. Right. But I have a pretty modest number of knives. I don't have a lot of knives. And You're an enthusiast. Yes, I'm definitely an enthusiast, and I'm a user. Like I use every single one of my knives. I carry them, use them, and I wouldn't. I can't if something doesn't get used. It doesn't. I sell it. Like I just. Well, I'm not going to use this. It's just going to sit. I, I don't have like boxes full of Spydercos. Do you follow? Um, is it Keith Kevin Ken or what is his name on Instagram and YouTube? That's his name on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to be a jerk, but I, because of his voice, I can't watch his videos, his intro. Um, I, I, I can't, he's, I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but his intro voice it, every time I start to hear it because I accidentally click on one of his videos, I can't, can't do it. That's, that's a thing about me. I just don't like no, that voice. I, but. Hey, you know what? I feel the same way about someone very popular in our community and that's all I'm going to say. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's, he so he he's been posting pictures of his spiral collection. He has like an insane. He's a collector's club member, yeah. So he yeah, gets literally everything. Yeah, he's got hundreds of spiracles, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, I mean, I think he's up in the four or five hundreds, you know. And I'm like, what would you even do with all those? Like, just sit in a box somewhere and in a shelf. And more power to him. That's what he's into. That's his money. I'm not gonna tell him how to spend his money. That's cool, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I I just realized that that's not me. It's never going to be me. I'm just never going to, and it's, I'm the same way with guns. I've had, I've had so many guns, like, oh my gosh. And I just, if I, if I don't shoot them a lot, if I don't, you know, if I, it's not something I carry in my, for my concealed carry or something I train with, like I've really like, I've narrowed down my guns to like carry guns and um, AR 15s. Like essentially that is like literally like I have a couple, I have like one shot, two shotguns and a long range right. rifle. But most of my stuff is very like purpose driven. Like it's like, okay, this is what I train with. This is what I would use for self-defense if needed. And I've There's kind an of application I've, for everything in your collection. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it's the same with knives. It's literally exactly the same, you know? So, and that's just who I am. And that's going to be completely different than especially that guy, you know, with his 500 spider codes. Like, and that's cool. I mean, that would be really cool to walk, to go through his collection and just see Sure. Every spider code that's been made, I think he probably has, right? Like a museum. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it'd be cool, but it's like there's no and he he'll he'll do Inst I, I don't follow him on YouTube either, but I follow him on Instagram. Just because I like looking at his he's got some nice pictures usually and he's got some just cool spider codes, you know. And some and he has I think he's just more in spider codes. I mean he has he has a lot of Chris Reeve knives. Yeah. That he collects. He's got I, I wonder I remember I asked him a question, I was like, How do you where do you store all these? And he's like he told me how many Pelican cases he had full. And mm -hmm. I was like, holy crap, <laughs> that's a lot, you know? So 
And to me, like that's that brings up another point is Pelican cases are are um, really popular. And I have one. I have this. No, is it a Pelican? Yeah, it's a vault. Um, but it has like the the is it Nalpak? Is that how you say that? Nalpak. Yeah. Nalpak uh, inserts, and it's not like your standard. You know, um, it's got like a special insert. I I don't know. I don't want to hold it up. It's gonna because the knives are gonna fall out of it. Apparently, but I'll, <laughs> I got you. It, they lay they lay horizontally. They don't like stick okay. in. Yeah. And I like that because I can look at them, and I can like pick one out. But like I've seen it. I see guys at knife beats and stuff all the time. They just have hundreds of knives stuck in these pellet cases, and I'm like, I can't. But to me, that yeah, like that's not hundreds. Just... You know what I mean? It's it's like that. Yeah, same idea. Same idea. <laughs> yeah, they just poke poke them out. And for me, I like to like visually look at them, and I don't know. It's a weird thing for me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I get. It's a great way to store knives. Hundred percent. Right. Uh, do you know who Apple Epic Snuggle Bunny is? Yeah, yeah. he's a YouTuber, Austin, right? Yeah, Austin used to live in Utah, and mm-hmm. he now lives in Arizona, I believe. But he uh, used to come to all of our knife meets. There's a custom knife maker here um, that lives really close to me, Ryan W. Knives. He makes a lot of nice, like really nice fixed blades. Okay. But he does like a meet every year at his house, and so we'd have a bunch of knife guys from Utah that get together, and me and Austin just chat all the time because we both did YouTube mm-hmm. and. He he was had like the same way. He's like, whenever he'd come, he'd have all those knives and spider packs because you could open them it. up and visually see them, you know. And I, and I was like, that's really it's a it's funny to see how people store their knives. I'm like, for some reason, really into that, and I change it constantly. Mm. Like, how many times have you changed the way you store your knives? Like, that would be a good question for not just you, but like anyone watching this video. I bet. I mean, hopefully, not as many as the times as I have, but yeah, for me, it's just been incrementally as my collection has inherently gotten bigger and bigger. Before my channel, I, I tried to hold my collection to the case I had at the time had 20 or 25 slots. And it was like, that was what I kind of capped my collection at. It's like, it has to all fit in here for folders. Um, with the collection that's gone right out the window. And now I use these cutlery shop cases because Jeff from cutlery shop sent me both of them and was really cool of him and they work great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but also like I live in a pretty small apartment and there's not much space in here that I can call my own. <laughs> so it, to me, I would love if I have like an office space in wherever we live next, that's like my office space and I can really set it up how I want it. Then like I'll have some sort of display where at least some of the parts of my collection that I want to look at <laughs> will be yeah. on display and it'll be in a way that I can grab them and carry them. Cause like you, I don't keep knives around that I don't carry, but it is nice. Like I find even with these cases, I'm constantly every couple of days rounding up some knives from around the house because there'll be some on my desk. There's some on the table by the couch because I like to have them out and be fidgeting with them and playing with them. And like, it, it does me no good if they're just in here and the cases are sealed up somewhere. I need to be able to like get them. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, I've, I've done spider packs. I've done like display cases, like Michael's that you buy for like, I had like them on plexiglass on ones. Yeah, yeah. I've had them on walls. My my wife's just always giving me crap. Like, you change the way you store your knives every every five months, I swear. So right. I've actually had this vault case for a while. And I do like it, but I, I wish, yeah, I just wish it was more on display and easier to get. But I, I do like the the transporting of knives. This is the fan, this is the best way for sure, you know. Yeah. No doubt about it. But yeah, so Austin, he was a big fan of Spider Pack. He had, you know couple of them there with all his knives and that, that was like the first storage thing I ever bought, I think was a splatter pack. Um, oh, right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm the same way. Like I, I limit 
what my knife case holds. That's if I if it exceeds that, I am up selling some usually. Mm -hmm. And I have those one. You know, we all have those knives that we won't sell. Right. There's not my a problem lot. is my problem is that <laughs> number keeps growing. Like I know it right? used to be, I had like three or four that were like totally off limits, and now it's like yeah. ten. And it's like, well, then even if I sell a whole bunch of stuff, then like the, those ten take up a lot of room all on their own. It's like, why am I really trying to get rid of all these if I'm already going to have a bunch anyways? Like play these mental gymnastics to. Oh yeah, we all. Do. I'm always convincing it. myself what to sell because I, I'm I have to sell things to chase more new things. So that's. Mm -hmm. The way it goes no that's i think that's part of the hobby too there's not too many guys that buy things and don't ever sell i think that was really funny i was watching the your the the uh, what did they call their live show um oh on Buckingham. the edge on the edge yeah when you guys are trying to get um is it kyle is that right yeah, no kyle oh kyle yeah. Kyle's to, to, sell, yeah. to sell his knives He's yep. like, I don't know. You know, it's so funny. Like, Kyle, move some of your knives you don't carry and use. Like, come on, you know. Right. Well, He's Lefty and I, we had just gone through this like purge. His much bigger than mine, but like I had sold like six or seven knives, and it was to fund the haptic and my new shield. And so, like, in order to fund these things, I needed to move some pieces and yep. liquidate, and like that's how it was going to work. And uh, so I sold a bunch of stuff and made it happen. And then Kevin was like, I'm going to sell a couple knives. And then he like got some bug while he was doing it and sold like a few thousand dollars worth of knives in a couple of days. And then was just like, this is amazing. And now I've got this room to bring in new stuff. And if I see something I want, I can just buy it because now I have the money. And he's like on this whole thing. And then Kyle's like, yeah, I've been thinking about selling one or two. And we're like, dude, you have so many knives that you never carry. And that like weren't gifts like you bought, like there's no reason why you have to keep them. It's we get that you like them, but like you never carry them. Why keep them around? Free up some buying power, you know? And it's just funny because he's so resistant to it, but we'll get them. Yeah. And there's the same way with guys and the gun guys too. Like I've sold so many guns over the years and just to just do the exact same thing to buy new yeah. ones. You know what I mean? And, and my, I've always had this understanding with my wife that like, as long as I'm, if I'm bringing something in, I might, you know, sometimes I have to sell something to bring it out and to bring that new thing in, you know, and it's like, yeah. it was nice. She gets it. She, there's no way that she could possibly keep track of all of it. Right. <laughs> Cause it's constantly, there's just like a, a round Robin effect going on. It's always happening. But, um, I think I'm actually at a point with guns though, that I'm like, probably not going to sell anything. Hmm. Cause I've, I think I've got to a point where they're all purpose driven. They're all, you know, um, serve a purpose of some sort. And, unless I get like a new one that I'm not like fond of and I'll sell it, you know, cause I didn't like it. But for the most part, I'm pretty, pretty solid on those. I don't think I'm going to be selling much there on that front. Knives, yeah. it, it's always changing on knives though. You know what I mean? Right. Like I have, a, I have a pile of knives downstairs that, that I'm trying to, that I'm getting ready to list. You know what I mean? That I'm probably gonna do a video on and just move. And it, it, you know how it is as, as a reviewer, it's, it's a different, it's totally different as a knife reviewer versus just a, a enthusiast or collector, right? Like, cause you're, you're wanting to get new things in, um, obviously for just for your own personal use, but also for content purposes, right? Yep. You can't just keep reviewing the same 20 knives you have. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I find it's also more fun to review a knife that I bought than to take a loaner in, even though I appreciate loaners and like, it can mean a lot when there's somebody sends a knife to review even if they're like, use it as hard as you want and all that stuff. It's still like, it just feels, 
it's a different process when it's a knife I spent my own money on and get to put through its paces like I spent my money on it, you know? And yeah, yeah I'm always selling and buying and trading. And there's, I have three packages sitting right here to unbox on camera after we finish this. And like, that's just the way it goes. But I'm also at the post office several times a week, sending a couple packages at a time, because if I don't, then it all stops, you know? My, ne my next door neighbor across the street, she, she actually works at the post office. I see her there all the time. And she's probably like, why are you here all the time shipping packages out? <laughs> you should just send them to work with her. Just catch her I on know. the way out. Hey, hey, Wanda, just take these with you, would you? You know, because I, I never, I always print the labels and I walk yeah. in front of like 20 people in line and I look at them, people, those people and I'm like, you guys know, you know that you can do this way. online, right? <laughs> Just drop them off at the counter and leave. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If there's no line, I'll make them scan them in front of me because I like to do that. But if there's yeah. a line, uh -uh, I'm just dropping those off. Take a picture as I'm putting them in. Yep. See ya. See ya. Yeah. Don't Not have time for that. Long line. Yeah. Anyway, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, so I know. It's I, I find it interesting that you're, you're, you've said your gun collection or your, the, the guns you own have evolved a little over time. And now you're at a place where you feel like, not that you're done, probably. I'm sure there will be yeah. guns that catch your attention yeah, in the future, but sure. you're, yeah. you're happy with where it is and you don't foresee letting go of them. I, uh, when I was a kid, my dad had a vast collection of guns. He's, just been a gun nut my whole life. And uh, during some more difficult financial times, he ended up selling almost all of his guns. He's still got a few, but it's not like it was when I was a kid. Like we had two large safes in our garage bolted down and each of them was full to the brim. And then there were small safes throughout the house. It was like, there were just, I was a lot of variety of guns that I got to shoot. And it was, uh, as a kid, my dad was paying for ammo and it wasn't like it is now. And it's just like, I shot a lot of things all the time and my dad's friends would come with us and they had interesting stuff to shoot. So I was pretty lucky that I, I feel like I got to experience a lot of different firearms. Whereas like I have friends now or my brother-in-law just since COVID bought his first firearm he was one of those people who texted me as soon as it like everything was going crazy here in LA. He's like, Hey, do you have anything I could borrow? I was like, absolutely not. Nope. Ah. Um, but oh, he just didn't know, good. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so then he ended up, he got, uh, I think the first gun he bought was like a Glock 22. And then now since then he has more guns than I do all of a sudden in the, the last like six months, he's just been buying like crazy, but he has no taste yet. He's just buying, Whatever, whatever catches his eye in the moment. And there's things that he owns that for sure he doesn't even like, and he might not even know it yet. Cause he's only been to the range with it once or twice. And he doesn't like have that time and experience to build off of. But for you, how has it, how have you gotten to where you are now? Has it been like a pretty gradual refining of your taste or did you just have to like get some curiosity out of the way? Like what kind of got you to where it's, like I, I think you said mostly striker fired and like ARs. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, I have, ex it's, I think it's a little bit of experience. Like I think I've dabbled in everything, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not everything, but I've owned ton. I mean, hundreds probably. Um, Plus if you're having like, buddies a lot, you're probably shooting some of what they've got. Yeah, exactly. And I think you just get to a point where you're like, Hey, this is what I like and it works well. And you know, there's no reason to, you know, move to like, so I use my buddy at the staccato. It's a night, you know, 2000 or 2011. It's got mm -hmm. a manual safety. It's got the grip safety, you know, like 1911s do. And he's used to shooting Glocks and stuff, which are, you know, striker fired, no safety. 
and it's it's a it's a manual of arms. It's a training thing. Like you have to train with those things. You, you know, gotta get I that see muscle him, memory down. Yeah, exactly. And I see him struggle with that a little bit. And for me, it was like I'm just gonna simplify everything. Like, because I could pick up pretty any striker fire gun and shoot it well, just because mm -hmm. I'm used to shooting them. You know, same with the AR-15 platform. I used to have some pretty nice exotic like like the Tavor bullpup. You know, right. which is like a two thousand dollar. You know. It's essentially an AR-15 and a bullpup, you know. Yeah, same I've magazine. fired it more before. Yeah, and they're 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 really cool, right? But like for me, it was like I just it really became it came down to I tried a lot of stuff and I know what I like, and it came down to more purposeful shooting. So I used to be a let me go to the range and plink kind of guy, which is I think majority of shooters, right? I think that's right. you're explaining everyone pretty much doing that. Yeah, not many people are shooting in motion and going through drills and from retention, yeah. like. That, that's not a or from concealment that's most people aren't practicing any of that they've got a, a table in front of them and yeah. they're shooting at paper and maybe they're pushing it out a little further and then they're shooting at it again and that's yeah that's it. yeah and I, and I used to do that like that's i think that's where you kind of start right sure it's and better then, than nothing for sure it, it definitely is and it's still fun to do that like i still do that with my kids i have some 22s i'll take my kids out and we'll do that and it's it's a good time but i just felt like geez one day i got the bug i think i went I went to a course years ago at Front Sight. Have you ever heard of Front Sight? It's a train silly down in outside so. of Vegas. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, in they're kind of obnoxious, actually. They have like seriously over the top marketing. So, I had a buddy who he and his dad were like members of it. And I'm a member I'm a member too. I haven't been in years. I've been twice, but it kind of it was good because it really taught me it, they do really good training, actually. You know, they I wouldn't put them up there with like the best at all, but especially for new shooters, it's good for them to go through that course. I took my mom down there cause she, so back, back in, uh, Sandy, Sandy cook, is it Sandy hook. I can't always mess that up, but she was a teacher and that ha school shooting happened in Connecticut, you know? And mm -hmm. so the, the schools in Utah encouraged, um, teachers to get their concealed carry permits and get a firearm and, and be able to carry at schools and, you know, to have it in their classroom kind of thing to protect schools from mass shootings essentially, you know? Yeah. And she wanted to get some training and I'd already been there once. And I, that's kind of where I started getting into consult and I had my permit and I was carrying and I took her down there and she got some training and, you know, she was brand new shooter. Right. You know, and I had shown her a few things, but she learned so much in that. And it was so, so beneficial that it kind of got me on this bug of like, I really want to do more of that. Like, you know, push myself, not just sit at a table and shoot targets because if you're going to conceal carry, if you're going to, you know, um, take that responsibility on you, which it is, you know, it's, I don't take it very lightly. I, I want to make sure that I'm very proficient in it. And that's where really, I got really into to doing that. And then I, I met with a bunch of guys here locally that had the same idea essentially. And they were getting together and shooting them, but they weren't just shooting. They were training. They were like doing drills. They were working on malfunctions that, you know, you shooting saw some from cover. Yeah. Yeah. My Instagram videos, you see that some of those drills we run, right? Yeah. We, we just posted move. yesterday or yeah. was it today um, yeah. where you were doing with pistol and with your AR, you were yeah. running between zones and yeah, that is the yeah. whole thing. It's, and it's super fun. First of all, it's way fun. Like if no one's done it and you want to break out of like that mundane, like shooting a shooting wrench at the shooting range and right. every, every five minutes they say cease fire and reset target. You know, I just right. got so tired of that. I was like, Oh, yeah, you should start wanna, there. You should uh, you should learn the basic fundamentals and your manual of arms on what you're going to be shooting there. Yeah. yeah. But there's definitely levels to it. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I got into that, and I, that's really where I've been for the last couple of years. And I think that's what's changed my to circle back to your question. That's what's changed my collection is it's been very like okay, I'm just gonna you know I'm very familiar with the AR platform. I'm gonna get a few of those, and you know the only kind of guys I buy are gonna probably be ARs, you know and as far as pistols, I like, and I'm not just a Glock. I mean, I don't even have a Glock. Actually, I do have a Glock 19X. Um, mm. But I have a lot of striker fired guns, and a lot of them I carry, you know, and I kind of rotate them. And it's kind of like knives to me. Like, I rotate my carry knife. I can rotate my carry gun, too. You know, I don't mm-hmm. carry the same one every day. But um, but I train with all those, you know. And, and so that's really what changed my outlook on guns, you know. Um, I don't see that for happening with knives because – it's like you don't really train with knives unless you're like a knife fighter or something, but you know right. what I mean? But like, it's, you're using them uh, a lot, which makes yeah. you more proficient and comfortable at having them in hand and, and doing yeah. things with them at least. Yeah. 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 So it's funny, the timing of this, I, uh, just within the last like month or two, they finally, I live in Los Angeles County, which oh, the entire time. I was wondering, I, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that has always Stop. meant as long as I've lived here, that they will not issue a CCW unless you are yeah. literally a judge or an insanely high profile individual. Um, they just won't like it used to even say, if you went on the sheriff's department website, it was like, w- don't fill this out. We're not going to give it to you. Like there was a yeah. disclaimer, like don't even try. And uh, recently they've started issuing the LA County Sheriff's department as yeah. So in the last couple months, from what I understand, they've approved like over 600 people out of a couple thousand applicants. So that's what sparked me finally getting a subcompact. So today my 10 days finally went up. This is safe by the way, but um, I finally picked up a shield, which even then is super frustrating because in California, it's a shield 1.0. You can't even get the 2.0 because it's just not on roster. And oh, yeah, yeah. there's no SIG P365. There's no Springfield Hellcat. There's no... Uh, oh, because of the magazine limit, huh? Yeah. Well, not even the magazine limit. It's just whether it's on roster or not. Because like oh. I own a SIG P226. Um, and they sell a California compliant version that just has 10 round magazines. Has a uh, It won't fire without a mag inserted. And then it has a loaded chamber indicator on top. So like this one, if I put one of these, these are snap caps. If I put mm-hmm. one of these in here, it's got this loaded chamber indicator up top. Oh, so that is so obnoxious. <laughs> I, have, I have a delete for it already that oh, I'm going to uh, put in. Um, you just drive a pin through it and you put, there's a, a no, <laughs> one that doesn't stick up and then leaves a window so you can still peep in and see whether yeah. there's a round of the chamber. Anyways, um, what's frustrating for me is like, I finally am having my freedom kind of given to me, right? Where it's like, maybe, maybe they'll give me one. We, I still, I have to apply now that I have the gun. I can, that's going to be the primary carry gun for me. But in California, best I can figure out on my own, that is the best nine millimeter subcompact that you can possibly buy. And it's the one that came out in 2012. It's not the 2.0. And I can, so I have extended base plates, so I can take these seven round mags up to nine. I can take the eight rounds with the hive extension up to 10. So I can still be 10 plus one um, in, a, in a relatively small slim package, but it's just like the fact that the roster exists and I can't get those other subcompacts that I would prefer to purchase. It's like super frustrating. But now that that's happening, I need to, with this new firearm that, the goal is for me to carry, I'm going to be doing a whole lot of range days and uh, 
luckily here there's a range where you can you can rent like private bays um and there you can shoot from concealment um or you can draw and shoot you can run drills you can do it's your bay yeah. you're gonna do whatever you want and yeah. i i know one of the guys who like manages it which is nice but then also uh, i have a family member who has some property up in the desert and so my brother-in-law who's now getting super into firearms we just bought some steel targets and we're gonna go and like make a nice little outdoor range where First, I can kind of teach him some stuff because he's new to it, but I can also train in a way that you can't just do at a static range. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny that this is the most like gun conversation I've had on my podcast for sure. And so it's cool that now oh, yeah. this is the episode with you on the day that I pick this up. And it's uh, yeah, it's no, I was wondering about day. that. You had mentioned to me on uh, I think Instagram about it or somewhere. Can't remember if it was there. But I was I was curious about that because I knew you live in California and I knew that you know they have some pretty strict gun laws there. So I have a buddy that's a sheriff in California. Oh, I don't wow. remember where, but because he's a sheriff, he can he can buy more firearms. But they right. limit what he can buy. Like he can only buy like I can't remember what the limit is one or two one a month, which is plenty. I mean, geez, I'm not you can buy one, a month. one handgun a month uh, with rifles. You can buy it's a little more open season. You can just kind of buy whatever you so want. So even as a law enforcement officer, he's still limited, Same which rule. is like, what? But um, I think he can, he can carry more rounds. I know that for a fact. Correct. Like I know some of his guns are like, just like mine, you know, right. um, cause he's in law enforcement, but when we did have a freedom week too, where that rule was overturned for literally a week. And I bought oh, so yeah. many magazines. I wish I had bought some, I guess this doesn't even go higher than this unless I'm getting stupid, like way stuck out once. But um, <laughs> like for my SIG, I've got a couple of 20 rounders, a couple of 18 round flush fits. And then I have a Ruger PC carbine that takes Glock nice. nine yeah. millimeter magazines. And so I bought a bunch of the big Glock, like ridiculous. 33 round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are fun. That's a good, that's yeah. a fun gun. I had a PC carbine for a while. I enjoy sure. it. It's it's great. And it's nice to have the same mags that'll go in my Glock and be able to, if I wanted to, like my rifle uh, carbine at my sidearm would be the same ammunition is kind of the idea of like, yeah, I can literally run the same mags in either. It's kind of cool, but it's heavy though. The, the M-Lock one that I have. Yeah. They're, they're, they're nice looking. They have, I think I had the takedown one. Is it takedown? Is it dual and takedown? Yeah. That's, yeah, pretty, so that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. They'll all take down. It, it's basically like the, 1022 takedown, but yeah. just nine millimeter takes Glock mags. So it works. Yeah. That's a slow, that was a good idea. It's weird that Glock has never brought one out. Like right. Ruger brought out a gun that takes Glock mags. Like many companies have brought out guns that take Glock mags. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of AR mags. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird to me. I'm like, why would you not capitalize on that market? Like, come on. It's, right. I've always, I've never understood that with them. Glock is one of those brands that gets me to scratch my head a lot in terms of what they, I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think they're one of those brands who just like, we are what we are <laughs> and we're not going to change. And they'll, they'll make subtle, small improvements. They'll come out with things that they say are new, but it's all the same, this exact same gun, just in a, in a slightly like, different iteration. Yeah. They're like the Chris Reeve of knife or of guns, right? Right. right. They haven't changed much in the last 20 years. And they sell tons of knives though. Like so does Glock sells tons of guns, you know, and they have a big following and it's a very similar. I've never thought of that before, but it's actually pretty spot on, you know, they're yeah. pretty, pretty similar as far as that goes. So, and the guys yeah. who are really into Chris Reeve and the guys who are really into Glock will defend that they are the best to their death, no matter what. 
<laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, that's, it's so spot on. It's so true. Um, yeah. I mean, I like, I like Glocks. I have, I have one, I have a shadow systems MR920, which is like essentially a completely decked out Glock. It's not a right. Glock anymore though, it, but it's, I think it's based on the gen 319, but there's nothing Glock on it, but it, it takes Glock holsters and magazines and you know, yeah. it's actually superior slide on it. You could, right. Yeah, and it's superior to a Glock in any way, shape, or form. Like it's, you know, but it's a pretty, you know, pretty pricey gun. But um, I, I do like them. There's nothing, you know, they they work flat out. But yeah, but sometimes they come out with guns like the Glock 43, for example. Like, wait, what? Six rounds? Like, what are you doing? The shield already had like seven or eight in it. Yeah, you know, the, and they weren't the even little mag is seven, and then it comes with the eight rounder, and that's like with the Glock, you can get the extended ones that take you up to where this goes. But if you add an extended one to this, like the hive one, you're literally at plus two on that eight rounder. You're at 10 and that's pretty good yeah. for me. Like I'm all right with yeah. that. Just, and they didn't even bring that out first. They brought out their Glock 42 first, the, the right. nine, the 380. 380. Like, yeah. 380 like everyone's bringing out nine millimeter small carry guns. That was the future of carry. 380 was like left in the dust. Mm -hmm. And comes out with a new 380, and I'm like, what? And they sold tons of them, like, ton, I mean, probably more than. Well, the Shield is actually one of the best selling guns ever, I think. But um, then they brought out the 43, which didn't compete with the current guns at the current time. And then like Sig came out with 365, which really revolutionized carry guns, in my opinion. Yeah. Like 10 rounds in that tiny in micro gun. compact, yeah. And then the and, Hellcat came out right after that and added another yeah. round. Yeah. And then Glock, what did they do? They brought out a 10 round gun. What? <laughs> You're not yeah. be, and it's bigger. The 43 X is it's much, much bigger. It's like the size it, of a 19. It's just thinner. It is right? exactly the size of a 19. I'm like, why wouldn't I just carry a 19 that has 15 freaking bullets in it? Like what? Yeah. yeah, I've never understood that. And then, you know, even when they had the opportunity to make the 43 X a double stack, they made a single. And then a company, Shield Arms, comes out and makes 15 round mags for it. And sells them for like $60 a piece, which is just crazy for a magazine, right? Right. And it's like, why didn't Glock do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things I ask people ask, but they have the biggest aftermarket support of anyone mm -hmm. by far. Like it doesn't. There's no gun company that touches Glock when it comes to aftermarket support. There's just really right. not. Like, so I think maybe, and I think that's part of their business model. They're like, well, we'll put these plastic, these crappy black plastic sites on all our guns because everyone's going to switch them out anyway for you know a pair of Mariglows or you know Trigicons or whatever. You know, what I mean, it's going to be something different. And like Spyderco with their clips. They know that everyone's going to get a Lynch clip or an MXG clip or whatever kind of clip it is. There's a bunch of options out there and they're pretty inexpensive and they come in whatever color you want. And it's like, why would they? And I think they've even said like, we're, we don't plan to offer a deep carry clip because we like that the aftermarket just handles it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I think right. Glock goes exactly the same way. You know, they really yeah. do. You get it like a gun, like the Hellcat. Like I just got one of those recently and out of the box, it's like, pretty feature feature heavy you know it's got a mm -hmm. it's cut for an optic because they they came out oh that was another thing that glock missed out on no optic cut until very no recently cut. right very recent but it's like well you're already way behind again yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like you got the you got the sig 365 xl came out and then the hellcat came out and then you know what i mean like a bunch of guns started coming out with them um that was actually one thing that was really interesting to me was was smith and wesson took a long time for the plus on the shield you know the shield was such a big 
selling gun and to keep up with the market, they really needed to go, you know, double stack. So it's like a, it's like a staggered, not really a double yeah. stack. Not it's really like one and a half stack. basically. Yeah. One and a half stack. Yeah. And they, they just came out with it and I'm like, good job. But you're like a few years late on this. You know what I mean? Same with Ruger. Like you guys are behind the, you're behind the, the game. And I like to see those US, not those US gun companies be competitive, you know, but it's like, right. you guys are, you know, you're, you're left behind right here. Like, you know, and the shield plus is, is great. Like I think what, what, what was smart about it was they used the same footprint. So all the holsters that you had is like, so for whatever reason, one day you could get a double stack magazine. Well, if it goes on roster, I will buy a yeah. shield plus. Yeah. Yeah. You could get that and it would use the same, uh, mag not magazines, but same holsters, like, right. A lot of Which the same especially accessories. for me, I'm left-handed with firearms. I'm right-handed with knives. So I'm a weirdo oh, in that way. But so with guns, I've always been left-handed. I write left-handed, I shoot left-handed and I eat left-handed. That's like the extent of what I do with that hand. But, um, for me to switch to a, a new version of that gun, if it takes all the same holsters and everything that I've gotten used to carrying it in. That's a huge advantage. Whereas yeah. like if you're talking about, I don't know if, if I'm looking at Glock 19 accessories and then I go from a gen three to a gen five and I need a new holster and I'm right-handed, it's not that big of a deal because on the shelf, there is a billion options for, yeah. <laughs> for that Glock stuff. But for me to get the holster that I've got on the way for this, I had to go through ANR design who's one of the few, Kydex holster makers that I'm aware of whose work I know I like that will do a left-handed option and make it easy and it works well. And it's like, I've got to wait a couple of weeks because I had to have a custom made and it's not crazy expensive, like cost prohibitive, but it's way more expensive than most off the shelf, ready to yeah. ship right-handed holsters. You know, and it's like, that's a thing for me that makes a big difference is if I'm considering a firearm, that's something I need to think about is like, is there going to be on the shelf stuff for, for me as a shooter? <laughs> is it prolific enough that for me as a left-handed shooter, can I get the stuff for it? And if not, then I have to know exactly who I'm going to and that that custom person will make a holster for it. Cause even then, if I get some really weird gun and I want to have a custom holster made for it, a lot of the guys that I would probably choose to use might not even have a blue gun or one to work yeah. off of or whatever it is to make me one. So yeah, kind of the way it goes. Yeah, no, that that's it was a smart marketing for sure on that on that front. But I feel like they missed the opportunity to kind of update it. Besides making it, you know, one and a half stack or whatever, um, they did do the optics cut, but they didn't do it on all models. And I was like, just the Why performance center just one, right? Do it on the regular ones, like you know, like the Hellcat comes that way, you know. On a, well, you can buy the regular or you can buy the optics cut, like. Mm -hmm. And they should have done that. The only one they make is the performance center and it comes with like their crimson trace crappy optic that I wouldn't use right. at all. And it's like 900. And I'm like, you just priced yourself out of this market. Like, so I think their, their marketing was smart when it came to like the same accessories and like, you know, for you, for example, that's a good fit, but I think they're a little behind, you know what I mean? On, um, on features, I guess you'd say, you know, yeah. Um, the, the, the Ruger one that came out, the max nine, um, it, it, I think that's going to be a pretty hot gun because Ruger is a little bit less expensive usually right. than the Smith and Wessons. And it does come optics ready and it does have like the, the single, the, the one and a half stack, but it was missing like the accessory rail, which I was like, at least Glock got that right on their new ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> they did add that accessory rail and, and, and surefire and, 
uh, Streamlight have both now made a proprietary light for those guns. Mm. Well, yeah, that's like X. for this, the only light that goes on it is there's a Streamlight TLR6 that's specific yeah. to this frame. And it's really just mounting to the trigger guard and then it's hugging yeah. up against here. And it's like, I got one because if I ever want to throw a light on it, that's the only one I can throw on. And it's it. like a so, hundred lumens. It's not very bright. Yeah. It's it's, very, I had one on yeah. my 365. So I was, you know, that's one way it pushed me towards the Hellcat um, and the 365. I have both of those guns and the 365 has a proprietary rail, which is mm -hmm. like, come on. Why? And the, the, yeah. Hel the Hellcat doesn't, it has like a, but it's such a small rail that there's not a lot of lights that fit it. So right. it's nice that like Surefire and um, Streamline are both coming out with one for those kind of guns. So I think like Smith and Wesson just put a, just put a rail on there, you know, yeah. but it wouldn't work the holster. So I guess that was their, their angle, you know, on the marketing, but yeah, I think Springfield yeah. really did kind of crush it on. Like I remember when I first saw that gun announced, I was like, that looks just like a P365. And then I looked at all the comments and everyone was like, is this a P365 clone? Like it looks eerily similar yeah, very similar, to yeah. a P365, but they claimed they'd been designing it for years and it just happened, whatever, like uh, that beside the, point, the punch. Yeah. Right. Um, the fact that they came out of the gate with more capacity than anybody else in a size as small as anybody else and with a better rail, the option for an optic cut, like right out of the box, all of that. I mean, it's just, it, it makes a ton of sense. And the, the texturing on the grip is really well done. Mm. It has, it has four, like, um, towards the front of the slide, like where you're kind of, kind of where your thumbs would land. I'm like mm -hmm. trying to get this in frame. <laughs> It has texturing up here. Like a lot of people do that aftermarket on like Yeah, right there. Yeah. They have texturing right there. And it's like a little shelf for your for your thumb to rest in. Right. And that really helps you keep that muzzle flip down. And yeah. they thought of that out of the box and no one does that. Like that's but a ton of people in the aftermarket stipple that spot like crazy. They do. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought God, that's that I mean, they really they really did knock it out of the park with that gun. The only like negative I've heard, well, I've experienced one negative, not malfunctions or anything, but it's, it's a problem on all the Springfield guns that I've had, like the XDS. I used to carry that one for years. Mm -hmm. um, the slide release is in a bad spot. Like mm -hmm. where my, where my thumb rests when thumbs forward, this thumb here, it like it, it rests on that thumb release. So you're keeping it from locking back a lot of the so time. So when I am like doing malfunction like, or I'm doing like one-on-one -on -one drills and you know, I want that slide locked. Right. And I go to, I go to put that magazine in, it, it doesn't reset the slide and it's like click and yeah. I'm like, what, you know, and, and it, I had the same issue with the XDS and I'm like, oh, See, as a lefty, I'd be fine. <laughs> you would be, yeah, you'd be great. But me, and I think most guys, I'm like, how are people not writing this? And they actually like on the grip, they have like an indentation almost for the, where they want you to put your thumbs to avoid mm -hmm. that. But it's not natural. Like when I pick up yeah. the gun, it's not, and so I, I was like actually picking up my 365 today and my shadow systems and my um, CZP10S. And I was like, I don't have this issue on any other gun. It's a Springfield mm -hmm. thing. So that is one issue for me that I've experienced with that, um, which is kind of a big one. Like, you know, I want that slide to come back. I want it to lock. And if I'm right in that and it's not doing that, that could be lead to an, you know, an issue. Um, the other thing is people have said it's pretty snappy uh, when they mm -hmm. shoot it. The recoil is a little bit more than, than the 365 and the shield. Um, I mean, granted, it's smaller than the shield by quite a bit. I mean, it's a right. small gun, dude. I think the 365 is the only one that's the same size. Yeah. 
And the 365 does shoot softer. It's not as snappy. So luckily though, SIG just came out with, um, see one thing I will give SIG super props for on the 365 and on their new guns is the modularity that they have. It's crazy. Yeah. Like you can go buy grip modules and you can, you can put a 365 yeah. XL grip on the shorter slide. And you know, you can put the longer slide on the shorter grip and it, you know, cause the serialized part is in the um, fire control group, which is right. really innovative, you know, it plops really cool. right out and plops into yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. So they just came out with a 365X, they call mm -hmm. it, where it's the shorter slide of the 365, but on the longer 365XL grip, uh -huh. which I'm sure is going to be really popular. But for me, what I was trying to accomplish for that gun, because I carry a larger gun on daily. I carry that shadow. It's like a Glock 19, essentially. I, I carry that size of gun on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But there's times that I definitely want it small, something smaller. You know what I mean? Um and I was telling you, like, I we were chatting on Instagram, like, I carry on that VanQuest fanny pack, that Dendrite. Yeah. And I'll carry that to, like, uh, this amusement park we go to. We get season passes. It's pretty close to us. They have, like, a water park. It's just nice to have it in there. And I can carry it at the same time. Mm -hmm. I couldn't I couldn't pull off anything else. Like, I just really couldn't. Like, you know, being in a bathing suit, where are you going to – you're already going to put that, you know? Right. Um, and the, it only fits that smaller 365, you know? So – I got the Hellcat to kind of replace that because it was optics ready. But then SIG, of course, after I bought the Hellcat, what do they do? They come out with a 365 X and mm -hmm. they're so smart that they said, we're going to sell that slide with the optics cut. So, so you can just throw that slide and just 65. buy that slide. And I'm like, so guess what I ordered today? That. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because I'll, I don't know if I'll keep the Hellcat. I might. Um, Utah just passed uh constitutional carry so you don't have to have a permit to carry anymore in utah it goes into effect in may and my wife has never had a permit and i've tried to get her to carry something try to like maybe convince her to carry one of those two but yeah yeah so that's yeah, gonna be nice it. too because i don't know if it's the same in utah but here in california if you apply for a ccw you can only apply with up to three firearms and they have to be you have to have them when you apply you can't switch them out during the two years that your ccw is active so like for me I have to pick what are my ideal three firearms that I would potentially carry for the next two years. And those are the ones that you get to carry. So the yeah. idea that with, especially with constitutional carry, I imagine your CCWs are probably less prohibitive even than ours are, yeah. but yeah, there's no limit. You can carry yeah. whatever gun you want, you know, yeah. as many as you want. Yeah. But yeah, that's, it was cool. I mean, I'm going to continue to have a permit because it's the, you know, you get the rest of reciprocity um, with other States so I can carry right. A lot of the country I can carry legally because well, yeah, because the Utah one specifically is what opens you up. A lot of guys here, if they get a CCW, like uh, some of my family members who live in other counties, they'll have they've had CCWs for a long time. My dad has my entire life, and if he gets the Utah one, then when he travels, it's like most of the country. If he's in, yeah. he can also yeah. carry there. Yeah. yeah. So I will continue to have for, for that reason, you know. But it's nice that. You know, for people like my wife that don't necessarily want to go get a permit because they're not going to carry that. But, you know, if they could, because she works now, she hasn't worked most of our marriage. She's kind of gone back to, you know, work just recently. And she just manages like a little uh, cookie drink shop. But sometimes she's there by herself, you know, and it's like I would like her to. It's, it's a hard thing to get her to do. She's not yeah. like anti-gun or anything. She's shotguns since we've been married. And she just. I don't know. It's never something she's like thought was necessary. You know what right. I mean? But yeah, my life, my wife loves the idea of me carrying, but she, I, 
I guarantee yeah. you she wouldn't be willing to herself. <laughs> yeah, and she's the same way. She likes the idea I carry. She loves, you know, especially when we go to certain places. She's like, oh, I'm so glad you have that. But I'm like, you can have it too. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you don't have to carry it on your body. Women have, I think, easier time to do it because they can just put it in their purse. It's normal. Right. Guys carry around a purse that looks like, you know, we have a man purse, you know, the fanny oh, pack. Fanny though is, uh, fanny pack is in style right now. How long is that going to last? I mean, that can't stay forever. True. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. I'll, I'll um, just, my dad has hung on to it through the off seasons of fanny packs not being cool. So you get to a point where you don't care, right? He's just older and he's yeah. like, I don't care anymore. I don't care what yeah. people think. You know, yeah, my, my dad, my entire life has had a fanny pack. And anytime he's carrying off body, that's where it is. And it's like, I, I've just accepted that, like, during all of the 90s and 2000s when fanny packs were really not in. Yeah, uh, they're worse. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way it was going. Hey, nothing fancy if you ever heard of him. I'm sure you have. Oh, yeah. He was a big fanny pack guy, you know, when they weren't cool, you know. They weren't in style. Now they are. And, yeah, when he, when I walk around this like, place, this amusement park, that's the only time I really ever wear it for the most part, unless I go, like, to the we don't have beaches or anything you know what i mean but if i do take it with me to someone that does i would probably you know but it i, I don't get weird looks it's right. pretty normal you know what i mean yeah but i do to if, me if i'm hiking ahead. in like national forest because i do a lot of hikes uh, i'm right below angeles national forest um there it's legal to carry the way i understand it i'm not a lawyer so hopefully that people won't <laughs> Legal to carry because, is there. That's interesting. Because you're in national forest land. Um, oh, yeah. So for like when I'm hiking, I'll carry it. I have a hill people gear chest bag. And for oh, that, yeah. it's perfect for stuff like that. And when I'm hiking, it looks like I've just got more gear on, right? Like I've got a backpack yeah. and I've got a chest bag and it could be binoculars or just where I keep some stuff. Like it doesn't look all that intimidating, which I love because like even trail running and stuff, I can just cinch it down, keep it tight to my body. Yeah. That's nice. But around here like if i go for a run around the neighborhood i feel like i'll look weird wearing like a coyote brown <laughs> like chest bag you would. yeah yeah but i see people just the other day my wife and i were on a walk and there was this group of guys that ran by it's three kids i say kids they're probably in their early 20s and two of them were wearing plate carriers for their run which i assume was they're just like weighted vests or whatever yeah. like a lot of people yeah. are using for crossfit or whatever but it was yeah. like these like camo plate carriers on these guys just running by and uh she was like what are they doing i was like i guess they're just adding weight but i don't know apparently maybe i could get away with running with a chest pack on. you might yeah you might yeah how does that work so like you leave the forest or the national forest where you're hiking and let's say you could be carrying mm -hmm. and you get to your vehicle like do you have to just put it in your car and lock it up kind of thing is that how it goes yeah, so you'd have to travel. Uh, you'd have to be transporting the firearm in a locked container separate from the ammunition, unloaded, um, and then you're fine because that's the way you, like, if I was going to the range, I'd have to technically bring it the same way. Um, oh, really? Yeah, in California, if you're driving in the car, it's supposed to be locked and separate from the ammo. The way it's written, right. it actually just says it can't be touching the ammo. So, like, if you had the mag next to it in the locked container and the magazine was loaded, you might be okay if they're not touching, but uh, I doubt a cop would see it that way. So typically most people will just put the gun itself unloaded in a locked container, ammo separate from it somewhere else in the car, and then you should be fine. So yeah, it's just like if I park at the trailhead, then unlock the case, throw a mag in, rack around, put it in the chest bag, and then I'm 
ready to go. Yeah, that's interesting. Same way in uh, Oregon, like Portland, Oregon is like really strict, but like other surrounding areas aren't. Yeah. So like if you go into the city of Portland, you're technically like, I remember we were we were traveling. Like my wife's from that area, and we were up there for like a wedding. And I was I had my still care school. We drove from Utah, went through Idaho, which is totally fine. And right. most of Oregon's actually okay too. But it's like when you get into Portland, you can't have it you have to have like kind of like that stored a certain way and it was like yeah am i really gonna get out of the car where as soon as i get in the city and like take everything out and put it in the city <laughs> that's yep. ridiculous you know i'm just whatever i just left it i was like whatever i um, think my dad got in trouble one time driving over a dam because i forget what dam it was but technically a dam is like federal property or something like there's this weird designation and uh they got pulled over and the guy i think whoever it was that officer or whatever asked if there was a firearm in the car and my dad had a passenger with him who's like oh yeah bruce carries but he has a ccw <laughs> and uh and that was the wrong thing to say to that guy who otherwise wouldn't have pulled them out of the car but i think they ended up just like getting scolded for it and had to like lock them in the vehicle which is uh, I don't know, potentially i guess you could be arrested for that but um i've always thought the rules like those are so stupid like if you go into downtown oh, la yeah. same thing you're yeah. not allowed to carry even with a permit just like I thought I had a permit in LA County, right? Like, shouldn't that be the idea is if I go into downtown LA where I'd want it most that I, yeah. I should have it on me. <laughs> well, the criminals are doing it and they don't have permits. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I guess yeah. I'll just never go to downtown, which is the way I yeah. go about it. But yeah, yeah that's that, that would be irritating. Yeah. We don't, we're lucky. We have a lot of good laws here, so we don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. I mean, not a big deal, you know? So yeah. And the constitutional thing, it wasn't a big deal to me because I already have a permit, but it is to a lot of people. Great to cool. see, though. Yeah. A lot I of states moved to Utah like... a few years ago. Oh, really? But now That's I. That's beautiful. I, yeah. If I could have gotten my wife away from LA, we, we would have. But we're, uh, it seems like. Where in, LA, where in LA County do you live? So I'm in Pasadena area. Um, okay. So it's like northwest of downtown, right up against the, uh, like, Angeles National Forest. There's like Mount Wilson, the whole big mountain range right up here. So, yeah, okay, that's the yeah, only way my, that I stay sane. My company that I work for was their corporate office in Santa Monica, so I, I've been okay. out there a lot recently. Not, I mean, not since COVID, but pre-COVID, out there quite a bit. You know, on the beach area over there, which is nice. I mean, California is beautiful. There's so not many... as nice at the moment with how many homeless people are in Venice and oh, Santa Monica. But my gosh, there was a time like couple of years ago when I was, I guess it's been a couple of years now, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's been like over a year since COVID. So it, you know, over last time I was there, I just couldn't believe the amount of homeless people. I was like, this is nuts. Like, yep. I thought this was like a nice area, you know, it's just full the, of The crazy people. thing is it's still expensive if you're there oh, paying so to be expensive. there, <laughs> but if you're living in a tent, then it's free. So a lot, a lot of Californians are moving to Utah and Texas and a lot of other states. And it, what sucks yeah. for us is it's killing our housing market right now. Yeah, our housing market's getting really expensive. Um, not as expensive as California, but it's not. It's gone. The, it's on the way there, and that that's terrifying as a homeowner because you're like, we were just looking to buy a new home, and I was like, this is crazy how much houses are are selling for. And we had a lot. We had we had put six offers in on homes, and we lost all but one. We actually kind of backed out of the one we did win, I guess you'd say. But a lot of them were cash offers, and they were people from California moving in selling their homes in California for tons of money, coming to Utah and buying a, a really nice house for cash. You get so much more out there. Yeah. 
and it but it was frustrating as a as a local buyer because like i'm like wait i don't have the equity that you have to be dropping half a million on a freaking house cash like what the right. heck you know it was crazy so we kind of backed out of that for now we're just like we're gonna see what happens with the market and hopefully it starts to dip down but it might not they're projecting that utah is gonna get pretty like like california you know yeah. i'm hoping that enough people leave here that it actually gets pretty nice here and that cost comes down so you can take you hope that uh, yeah we don't want them though we don't want those those liberals over here no offense if you're liberal, but, um, none, none taken um, <laughs> you know what i mean we don't want them i mean we don't want them but there's a lot i mean there's a lot of good people i'm not you know i'm not biased like that but it's yeah i wish they'd stay there because they're coming in droves texas feels the same way i know a lot of them are going to texas and right they're like it's such a different place there too you know the funny thing is when people do move they they kind of keep their um politics so to speak with them and they bring right. it to this new place and it's like it's like why don't you leave what you tried to escape from <laughs> yeah what what do you do? <laughs> don't try to come to utah and be super liberal when we're a very conservative state that doesn't make any sense like why did you leave california i wasn't i didn't like call it political climate it's like well then don't bring it <laughs> you, here with you like you had a monopoly on the political climate over there and you're yeah. trying to come to a place where it's less what you left from yeah that doesn't yeah no, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I've never understood that type of mentality where it's like, we're going to escape this and we're going to bring it with us wherever we go. <laughs> it's not really what escape in, means. Yeah, you're seeing a lot in Texas and the Austin area, especially. It's gotten yep. pretty crazy down there. So, yeah, I saw some video somebody made that was, it was some guy from California coming to Texas and it was the same guy in the video, but like they, you know, one was the California guy, one was the Texas guy. And, it was really funny, like, because it was talking about that that exact thing. Like, wait, you moved here to get away from that, but you're trying to bring it here. Like, we don't do that kind of stuff in Texas, you know. It's just funny, pretty yeah. funny. Um, well, we, you said you keep going as long as you. I mean, I've seen some of your podcasts go like four hours. Yeah, like, that's no, almost I, more when I went four hours, dude. That was I'm nuts. I'm gravy to keep going, but if you got to end, then I can respect no, that I, as well. I'm good. I'm good for the time being. Um, I'll. I think I'm good for now. So if all you right. want to keep you, going, I'm good. You give me a wink when, when it's time. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a really, really hard, like, like totally obvious one. <laughs> uh, gotcha. you want to talk uh, more about nice? We haven't talked a lot about nice actually a little bit, a little kind bit of went on yeah. a gun conversation, but you, yeah, so, uh, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say recent things that I got in, I got, as you know, I got the drift in today. Yeah. Um, I really, I can see what the hype is about. I really can. I need to get my action dialed in. It's a little stiff out of the box. Did it, did it break in nicely for you? Do you have to disassemble it? or? So mine is definitely not drop shutty, but yeah. neither was the waypoint, so I wasn't expecting it to be either. But it's smooth, and on deployment, it's poppy. Like I've yeah. never had an issue with it deploying all the way, either for middle finger flick or for thumb flick. It just really it, it fires pretty hard, like the detent is dialed. But yeah, there's resistance the whole way down. It's just smooth resistance. The CRK yeah. boys would love it. Yeah, <laughs> they would. They would. It's, it it does feel like that kind of action. It really does. That's a good. That's a good comparison. I was curious if it just was um, stiff or you know, it's mine's pretty much the same way. Like it really pops out on deployment. You know, uh, both ways. Yeah. But it yeah, it's it's not. It's definitely a shaker. You know, but yeah. And that's I, that your first experience with Vanex, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I was, I was hoping that Spyderco might bring something on Vanix. So I was kind of holding off 
for a while, but right. it doesn't seem like they're going to. So maybe they are. Maybe they're going to finally make a paramilitary two or something in Vanix, but uh, like a sprint run that'll, you know. I'd be willing that. to bet if they're going to do it, I think the first application you'll see it in will be like a mule team, their fixed blade yeah. mule series, because that's usually how they'll like try a new steel. Um, but I think from some like, not necessarily inside, but like within the Spider-Co world, conversations that have happened that have included people from Spider-Co, it has sounded like they're aware of it. They're interested at least in trying it, or maybe they've started just internally doing their own testing on it. Um, but they don't like haphazardly bring out steels either. Even though they bring out a ton of new steels, they always do a lot of internal like testing and vetting yeah. and figuring that stuff out. So I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Glesser has something in Van X in his pocket that they've made that he's like putting through its paces. Um, but it'll probably be a little while before they bring something to market in it. Eric's a super nice guy. I met him at the USN show a couple of years ago, chat with him for a while. He's, he's super cool. Yeah, you know, he's like he's a knife guy. Like you can tell through and through. Yeah, yeah. When I was cool. talking to Thomas, it was awesome because he had just recently he and Jason had done their like interview with them um, in the Millie Club, and I was trying to express to Thomas like how much I think it's cool that Eric is the type of guy he is because no other knife company has an Eric Glesser like not at that size, at least like there's a lot of independent makers who you really know who the maker is and you like see stuff from them. But Spiderco is the only company of that caliber where it's like people know who Sal is and now who Eric is and they're familiar with their designs, they're designing for the knife company and they're running it. And like, he seems like a really chill dude who you would just like talk to at a barbecue, you know, like he's yeah. a normal guy who's not pretentious and just like, you can tell he's actually into the knives and it's like his passion, which is, it's cool to see. It is. And it makes you, I've always been a fan of Spider Co. It, it makes you a bigger fan. Like after chatting with him, I just became a little bit more of a bigger fan of Spider Co. And I don't have a ton of Spider Co. I have like two, I think I have the, mm -hmm. a pair of three and a um, Spidey chef, but I've owned like hundred, probably a hundred Spider Co's, you know, yeah. in my day. And it's just one of those companies that you're because of like guys like him, it's like, okay, I'm a big fan of it. I'll support him. You know what I mean? Yeah. That guy going off on your comments, calling him Spidey junk and spelling it wrong. That was, I had, I couldn't let that go. I was like, nah, nah, bro. I love that. You know, stuff. Like, what, I'm like, what does SC stand for? Are you, are you making spider code into two words? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, spider you're like, co. Oh, spider co. No. And it's no. spider with an I. Okay. Um, <laughs> so th there's an interesting segue, I guess. And we'll come back to knives, I promise. But you have way more subscribers than I do on YouTube. And I've noticed that as my channel has gotten bigger, the frequency has gotten a little bit more and more. I kind of expected it to be even greater that I'd get like weird troll comments. I yeah. still am, am very fortunate in the sense that like most comments that I get are positive. And then there's a decent chunk that are just like, I'd say neutral, like they're not being weird or offensive. They're just saying something that like I find kind of dumb. Um, and then there's like a, a small percentage of people who are like, they're upset for some reason, you know, like there's, yeah. there's going to be trolls. And I set out from the very beginning when I decided to make a channel, it was like, I'd already come to the conclusion that I wouldn't give that any kind of power over my own emotional state or let it be anything bigger than it needs to be. And so I just find it funny the bulk of the time. And I like to respond back and have fun with it. And like, 
if you watch my Instagram stories every now and then I share that when I think it's especially funny, but yeah, do you, as your channel has gotten bigger and bigger and your subscriber count has increased and it's reached a bigger audience, maybe have you found that you get more trolls or has it stayed pretty like, because your audience is pretty niche. Do they, do you not encounter that? I do encounter it, but um, I don't, I don't think a ton No, You know, I, for the most time, for the most part, I'm just trying to think of a recent video I did. So that Hellcat video I did recently, that's pulled some out of the woodworks, you know, cause there's, and it will with guns. Gun, I think it's worse than guns, dude. Probably. If you go in the gun, if you go to gun channels, that's all they do. The, tr the comments in there. Ooh, like it's crazy. So, you know, I would say, I, I don't think it's gotten any worse than it ever was. I, I think there's just always going to be those people, you know, and when you have a differing opinion than some fanboy of, Chris Reeve nice, which, you know, I, I like Chris Reeve nice a lot, but I understand that some people, I don't even actually own one right now. Yeah. And I've had tons of them, you know, but like, you're always going to have those guys that, you know, and certain subjects, you know, if you're talking mm -hmm. about the triad lock or if you're talking about Chris Reeve or in this case, the Norsemen or like certain yeah. things that there, there is like a, a cult following of maybe. Yeah. Um, strider knives if you get a yeah. fact wrong about the strider in the video there will oh, be yeah. people real mad um <laughs> yeah they're funny those guys yeah yeah no but, i don't think it's gotten any worse as my child's got bigger i just think it's something you encounter regardless you know yeah um you're i mean you're at a decent what are you like eight thousand or something like that now i just passed a, six over that. a week oh, ago six. okay so you're so, growing fast. It, your your growth is fast though. Like that's something that you should hang your hat on because, you know, it took me a while. I think I, I kind of peaked. Do you know what I mean? Like hmm. I was growing pretty steadily. And I think I don't remember where I peaked at. Like it, and then it just has been a snail pace since then. You know, hmm. and I I don't know if that's normal. If that's what happens, you know. But, um, but yeah. But you're you're a good enough size channel. You're gonna get those strolls for sure. <laughs> they they yeah. don't usually like. You get you get a little bit more you know um, traffic on YouTube you know and searches and stuff like that. That's really when you start getting them coming out of the woodworks you know. And I'm like you, I I, I do not usually get into it with them you know. Right. I really don't. Oh, and I love to get I, into it with them. <laughs> it's so much fun doing well, it. Well, emotionally, like it doesn't yeah. like, make them mad. I will get into it with them for sure you know. But as a like you said, as a as a source of entertainment. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I've never really gotten mad, but sometimes like people are blatantly like just just belligerent you know what i mean in their comments and i just i just delete them mm -hmm. i think that's like the best power i shouldn't say power but it's a feature that we have as channel creators like that i'll what i'll usually do is i'll i'll reply to them and then block their block them on my channel they can't respond it's the most satisfying thing in the world it's like i got the last word in sucker you know what i mean that's yeah. childish but like Sometimes when they get like that, I'm like, you know what? Block. Like, just remove you from my channel. You don't, I don't care if you subscribe to me. I don't care if you watch. I'm not here to make money off YouTube. You know, it's a hobby. It's, you know, it's extra spending money for yeah. gear that you want to buy. But, like, I don't, I'm not going to put up with that crap. So I usually just remove them or delete. And I delete so many comments. I don't know if you do that or not. Some people, like, don't like that. Like, don't delete comments. Like, if it has nothing to do with the conversation or in any way that's beneficial, I'm going to just delete it because it's stupid. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. I'm, that's how I am. I don't know. And maybe that helps keep the trolls away. I don't know. 
Sure. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I I've tried from the beginning and I've gone I've talked about this before, but like I always wanted to create an expectation in my comment section that if you respond to my video in a way that I find idiotic or that's like attacking me or whatever, then it's fair game for me to also I, yeah. I have rules for myself. I won't call names. I won't say bad words. Like, but I'll point out why that person is incorrect. If they're coming to my comment section, rebuttaling my video or whatever it is, if it has nothing to do with the video and it's just like your beard looks gross, then like, I don't know. Usually I'll respond by laughing because I find that hilarious. Like, yeah. And, and maybe by me laughing at it, they realize when they see that this guy who they just tried to diss is laughing at what a douche they just were in my comments. They realize, Oh, I was being a douche. Like, why did I say that? And I have had a number of people, not a ton, but a handful of people who've specifically messaged me sometimes like months later after leaving a nasty comment and then me going back and forth with them and calling them out for being an idiot. I've had people apologize and like, Hey, I was in a bad space when I did that. Like it wasn't cool of me. And it's like, that's awesome of you to apologize. But I just like to create this like this culture in my comment section yeah. where there's consequences for being a dick because <laughs> I think it's Me fair. Too. If you're yeah. a dick, I can be a dick back because I didn't start it. I made a video sharing my opinions about an object on YouTube for this weird niche of people that follow me and whoever else wants to watch it, frankly. But like, if you want to respond to that in some weird personal diss, like, I don't know. Or if you just disagree with me and don't have any reason for doing so, you're just calling me wrong. Then like back it up, bro. Let's have a conversation. Like that's what yeah. a comment section should be for in theory. Right. If you yeah. think I'm wrong, say how I'm wrong. And then I can respond and we can, we can have a conversation about it. But yeah, I just, I don't know. Some people like Kyle uh, from DTOM knives and gear. Sometimes I give him crap because like, he's just so nice to everybody who's mean to him. And I'm like, no, that person was mean to you. Like, you don't have yeah. to be as mean as they were, but be mean enough so that they realize maybe they didn't realize it while they were typing it, how like ignorant and rude it sounded, but they were a dick to you. So point it out and have fun while doing it. Respond in a funny, snarky way and then post it on your stories and everyone laughs at that person and it's great. And then all the people who see that I do that, if they ever find themselves in my comment section, they know if they're a dick, they might also end up in my stories on Instagram where everyone's going to laugh at them. And it's like, yeah. it just creates this cycle where for me, like my comment section I find is pretty positive and fun. And when yeah. it's not positive, it becomes funny. And that like, that works for me. I don't know if that'll work forever. There will probably become a time where I won't be able to get to all the comments, hopefully. <laughs> if I grow yeah. Enough. Yeah. But, if you get big enough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a good idea. And that's a good, um, you know, way to go about it for sure. Um, I think it's funny when you post some of your videos, that's why I comment on them because I'm like, in your stories, I'm like, oh my gosh. It's funny to see other people's comments because I'll watch your videos and I, I don't always sit and spend time in our own comment section. I'll maybe I look, read other people's yeah, comment yeah. section. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's funny to see that because I'm like, oh, that's, that's, I've never experienced a guy like that before. Like, you know what I mean? Or, but I'm sure I have. I've been doing it long enough that I probably just have just, you know, brushed off. And it's you gone, deleted yeah. it and forgot. Yeah. You deleted it and see you, dude. Like, you know, I don't have time for this. Um, I've definitely yeah. deleted some, by the way. I'm not one of those, like, never delete a comment, guys. If somebody posts something that's just, like, purely, like, grossly mean and, yeah. like, full of vulgarity for no reason, it doesn't have to do with what I said in the video or whatever, then it's like, that's just getting deleted. Yeah. Uh, and I delete a ton of spam comments every day, that too. But Oh, yeah. that's What is up with that lately? 
It's like the first comment a lot of times on my video is some link to some porn site or something. It's I'm like, just like VOM dot blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It has like a timestamp. And it's like, I'm like, remove, so, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you even finding my videos to do this? Like, you're or a lately, Have you, know? you been getting the ones where it's like, um, don't know if anyone gives a crap, but I just figured out how to hack my girlfriend's Instagram, uh, Instagram account, blah, blah, blah. Just Google such and such. There's not even a link for you to click on. And then another account will comment yeah, we'll, replying we'll to theirs. It works. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, it took like 10 or 15 minutes, but it totally worked. And it's like, yeah. there's no links here for people to click. What is this? You think what is the point of this? Like, <laughs> How are you winning? I don't Yeah, I, don't I got that on a recent video and I was like, what? Like, what is this? Why is this on here? Like, this is so stupid. Yeah. No, I got called. Um, I got called a midget the other day. And I thought. Does the person he, know how tall you are? No, he doesn't know. Oh, I didn't show myself on the video. I just had the, it was the Hellcat video. And I just had it on there. And he's like, no, he said, what are you, a midget? Yeah, these guns are, you know, like too big for you. And I was like, you completely are kidding me. Like, did you watch the whole video? Like I showed you the gun I carry on a basis, which is way bigger. Right. And I'm like, they're not too small, you know, too big for me to carry, bro. You missed the whole context of the video. Like, and that's what's frustrating sometimes is people watch like two minutes and then they make a comment. Yeah. And I almost want to be like, if you're going to comment, I welcome it. But wait till you've watched the whole thing. Cause then, cause how many times have you done? I've done that on videos where I like will go back and be like, oop, I didn't watch the whole thing. And you answered the same, you said this later and I feel like an idiot now. So I'll delete it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think people would take the time to watch the video and then comment at the end when they've done that because you're probably going to cover that. You know, it's just it save so much time. But some most of the time, I don't get derogatory things said. But I was like, oh yeah, that's that's interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah, like no idea who I am. Like I didn't show myself on video. Um, I'm like an average male, like height wise. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, nope, not not a midget. <laughs> that guy definitely. Like, he oh, carries like, a deagle appendix in waistband. That's how. Yeah. That's his EDC. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So one thing that I sometimes I get, it's polarizing. Like sometimes I get flack for making these kinds of statements. And other times people are like, I totally agree. Sometimes I'll say to people who are being critical of me that I don't think they should necessarily be able to be critical of people making videos unless they've made some of their own. Obviously yeah. that's not totally true. Like there are things you can be critical of without doing it <laughs> that are, are fair observations to make about somebody else doing an activity, right? Like, yeah. but in general, when people get really critical of like my video style and they're like, show the knife more, this should be tabletop. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we don't want to see your face. We want to see the knife. Like I get a lot of that. And it used to mm -hmm. be a lot more. Now I think people have accepted that I'm not going to, that's not who I am as a channel. Um, but one of my common retorts has always been like, why don't you use the email account that you have and the phone that's in your hand and make your own YouTube channel and make the videos you'd like to watch instead of telling me how to do it on mine. Um, do you ever find that you get like that similar frustration where it's people who clearly oh, yeah. have never made a YouTube video and their critique isn't even about something you said in it. It's about like how you filmed it or something. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think we were chatting about that on Instagram a little bit. I do, and I love that response because I've said the exact same thing. I'm like, well then why don't you Go make your own channel and we'll all come and comment on it and see how well you do. Like, come on, like yep. put your money. And I've, I've literally said, put your money where your mouth is to people before. Like, if you're going to be this critical of people that do this as a hobby, I'm not a professional videographer. I'm not, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, right. 
my I've never claimed to have like great video quality and you know what I mean? Like I shoot my stuff on iPhones. Like yep. to me, it wasn't worth the investment of all the equipment and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And, and for those that do it great, you know what I mean? There's some amazing knife channels out there that have really good quality. And I'm not talking about the fuller fanatic. Um, <laughs> he does have great quality, but that's we can whole, go there too. If you want that's to the whole conversation in itself, but like I'm thinking, um, uh what's that guy's channel it's best best damn edc or something like that yeah, he's, huge. he's got a big channel and his quality is fantastic and i'm like man that would be awesome to do that but i'm like i just i don't have the energy don't want to put the money into it it's never youtube will never make you any money like real money so it's like i to me it wasn't the return investment just wasn't there you know and i'm like you know i'll just continue to do what i'm doing and have it be a hobby and, and i think i enjoy it that way you know and it's not to say I, I couldn't improve. I know I can. Like, you're not going to be the first person to tell me my, you know, video quality is not the best or like, you know, my audio, my lighting's not great or my audio quality. I'm like, I try to improve on those things because, you know, you do have a, a, a subscriber that's to follow you and you want to go. I don't want to put out crap content, but like at the same time, I'm not going to like invest a lot of money and can equipment to do so. So it's like, I got to make work with what I have. My iPhone 12 shoots 4K, great. I can shoot 4K quality video, right? Yeah. You know? And I get it all the time. More on gun videos and knives. Knives don't usually have that problem because I, I do the table town, tabletop most of the time. Sometimes I'll do the mix. I've been starting to do that a little bit more just to mix it up. But um, gun stuff sometimes, man, people are super. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm not freaking um, Mr. Guns and Gear. And I'm not these huge channels that have like hundreds of thousands of subs that can go out and buy right. super expensive equipment. Like, I, I why aren't your videos that. as good as Grantham? Come on. He's that Grantham. That was the other one I was trying to remember. He's got like, like a whole team behind him now and the studio space. Team. Yeah. Like it's like that's awesome that he's like and I and I watch his channel too. I you know, it's good. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, oh, you're never gonna get that here. <laughs> and I and I'm not gonna pretend like, you know, that I'm trying to do that. Like I'm just not. You know? I think there's but, a different value too, though. Like, like I just said, I follow Grantham both on Instagram and on YouTube. And I thoroughly enjoy his videos and there's like a certain cinematic quality to them. There's a humor to them that I enjoy. And like, I, I like the guy too. Like, I think he's cool. The whole thing is very nice. But if I watch him review a gun versus watching you review a gun, I feel it's like a totally different expectation and a totally mm -hmm. different like end result, right? Like I'm looking for different, entertainment value out of his video and i'm almost even listening less to the things he has to say about the gun because he's a different type of person than me with how yeah. many rounds he's sending down range his background and experience and all that whereas like if i watch one of your gun reviews like i just watched the one but the hellcat versus the sig versus like that was great for me because that i found interesting it was info in a way that i could relate to it where it was yeah. like this was before you and I, this is the first time we've talked with words, not DMing a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you as I watched your videos, but I felt like hearing kind of from a friend, whereas like watching a guy like Grantham, Grantham or nothing fancy, like any of these giant channels or suture, like there's all these channels. It doesn't feel like you're getting info from a buddy. Whereas channels like you who are like, I'm shooting this on my iPhone of the gear that I'm passionate about. And like being open, honest about your experiences and how you came to these conclusions that just, it seems so much more relatable to me. And same thing with knife channels. Like 
Yeah. It's different to watch a Blade HQ video about a knife, mm -hmm. which is super curated and there's a whole marketing team there and all that versus lefty EDC. Like <laughs> lefty EDC is going to look like an idiot the whole time and love it. And I love them for it. And yeah. it's like, and I, I get different information and I don't expect the same things from the two. And it's like people who expect every person who's making content on YouTube to be trying to be the same thing is like, it's not why YouTube even exists. The point is that there's like hobbyists and guys who just like, you have this thing already. You want to make a video about it to contribute because you have unique experience with it. That's totally yeah. fine. Yeah, and I, I agree. That's it is. It's easier to relate to, I think, smaller channels a lot of times. You know what I mean? Like even when I, and I'm pretty knowledgeable. I feel in guns and stuff, and when I watch some of those videos, and I'm like, this is more of an advertisement and entertainment than it is an actual like experience, like real world experience. You know? Yeah. Um, and some of those guys be can be very critical, which is good. I think Grant Thumb is actually a pretty good example of like he is. He, he, he not can be around the book. Very yeah. objective. Um, but yeah, a lot of them are very that it's an ad placement and they're probably yeah. getting paid to do it. Yeah. They're getting paid and they're getting the gun for free and, you know, and, and that's fine. Like I get, sometimes I get stuff sent to me and I usually tell people, Hey, I got this sent to me, but I'm not, I always tell companies like, if you're going to send me a product, you be prepared that I may not like it. And I'm going to be honest, like, and if you don't want that, don't come back to my channel and ask for me to do it again. Cause you know, you're sending like, it to a reviewer, not to a hype guy. Or an advertising example. Here's a great example. Olight flashlights. Yeah. Olight flashlights are like, excuse my language, the whore of the freaking, you know, of YouTube. Like they, every channel, every time they have a sale and they would send out the last and they've tried. And I've, I said, sure, I'll do a video, but I'm not going to do your stupid marketing thing. I'm not going to like, you know, post it at exactly that same time. And I'm not, I'll do an honest review of your product for sure. If you want me to, you know, but I'm not going to like, you know, sling it out there. Like I'm selling it for you. Like I'm not going to do that. And they, and they will like stop sending me stuff for a while. And then a new person will call me or email me. Hey, would you like to review? <laughs> I'm just like, how many people work there? That, that do this job. YouTube people like, it's like, wait, I've done this for you guys like 10 plus times. And, and it always trickles off where they stop sending me stuff for a while. Then they start doing it again. And I'm like, because I'm not meeting their quotas and they're, you know, and I'm, I'm like, that's never going to be me. Like never going to do that. Cause I just, first of all, like, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with channels to do that at all. I'm not saying that, but like at the same time, it's just not my personality. And I'm also like on my own schedule. Like I just upload when I can, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I work full time and I work remote at home and sometimes I have lighter work days and sometimes I have heavier work days. And it's like, if I have time, I'll do something. If I don't, might go a few days. I might record all my videos in one day on Sunday because I have time. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. can't be meeting some deadline. Like it's my job. Like, no, this is my job. <laughs> you guys don't pay well enough a light for me to be doing that. So, um, I'm not trashing on their lights or anything like that. They're fine. Right. They're good quality, but it's just, you know what I mean? It, flashlight companies are the worst at that. Can you imagine if knife companies did that? Like if, if like, Spyrco is like going out to all of us channels, like, hey, we want to do this sale on this knife and we want to send one to you. I'd be like, sweet, free Spyderco, right? But it would right. it would take away from the value though, I think, of their company. And that's why they don't do it. You know what I mean? Right. I, I really I think a lot of knife companies don't give out free samples, um, unless they're like Kaiser and um, you know, a lot of the Chinese companies have done that, We Knives, yeah. stuff like that. They'll they'll give out samples and stuff, but like 
they haven't gone obnoxious about it, like you know flashlight company stuff it's not just olight it's tons i get it i get it my facebook messenger because i have a facebook channel uh page for my youtube channel that i like literally do nothing on because yeah. i just don't care and i do most of my stuff on youtube and instagram obviously and i'll get messages all the time would you like to review our new flashlight and i'm like i have reviewed like 20 year lights like i'm done don't need to review any more of your lights. Like I just I don't even know. need any more of them. I've got yeah, lights I have for everything. Flashlights coming out of my ears. Like I don't even yeah, I carry one every day and it's a surefire. Right. And it's like I paid money for it. Like I don't even carry what you guys send me. But yeah, um I just hope night companies don't get like that, you know. And I, I think some, you know, some channels out there, the bigger ones, you know, are getting a lot of free product sent to them and, and that's fine. Good for them. They're that big, they're getting that product. You just hope that it doesn't skew their review you know what i mean yeah i mean they're like i've taken in free knives for sure um some of them quite nice and it's like for me i always have to have that conversation before it gets sent to me um whether it's a company or a small maker where it's like if you're going to send this to me understand that it's coming to me as a reviewer and i probably wouldn't even be saying yes to bringing it in if i wasn't interested in it and didn't think it was nice because otherwise i just won't take the time right like yeah it wouldn't I have too many other things to be reviewing that I want to review, but if I'm not interested in the thing, then like I won't even say yes to it. But bear in mind, even though I'm interested in it, I think it's cool and you seem nice. Like I'm I'm going to be as objective as I can about the review and I need to be able to tell people I did get this for free. That's important to me. So they know, but like mm-hmm. I try to be as objective as I can. Can I remove all bias? Probably not logically speaking, yeah. but like I'll do my best. And if I see a flaw, I'll call it out. And I'll probably also say thank you in the video that they gave me that thing. Like <laughs> that's yeah. that's how it's going to be for me. And I think as long as you're transparent about it, that can work. And I know there are a couple of knife companies who like they've got a list of reviewers who everything new that they have that comes out, like Benchmade, will send all their new stuff. That's like what they're trying to push to their list of people. And I have friends who do that, and I think they still do a good job of reviewing their knives. I don't think it's wrong of Benchmade to do that because they're just intelligent enough to see that like if we send it to this list of five or ten people we're reaching another hundred thousand people that aren't going to watch our youtube video about it you know they have their own audiences it's it's a real way to get exposure on a product and i think that's fine but yeah i think the importance is like in the honesty both as a reviewer saying hey I, i did get this for free and then also saying to the company Hey, you're sending this to a reviewer, not to an advertising company, not to like yeah. what I do is I review. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to use my typical review process. I'm going to call what I think is good, good. And what I think is bad, bad. These are the things that I think I'm going to state them as opinion, but I'm going to say them. <laughs> you can take that as feedback. If there's something bad, you could be mad about it. That's up to you. But like, that's my process. You know? Are you, you're not part of our pastor on group, are you the apex pastor? Are you part of that? No. So I know Kyle and uh, Kevin are, but I've, I've been invited to it and I've been invited to a number of pass arounds and I've never taken a pass around knife. I, I just personally, I'm not interested in it. I, I don't want to sound pretentious or like I'm above it, but no. I think a lot of like, I think there can be a cycle where there's a, a group of channels who have all the same followers as one another and they all review the same knives on a cycle because they're all taking them from the same pass around. And I never wanted to be part of that loop. And so if there's something in a pass around that I find really exciting, I'll either reach out to the company and see if I can get one 
or I'll buy one and then I'll review it. And if I don't love it, I'll sell it. And like, to yeah. me, I just rather have the autonomy to like do it on my own terms. Um, yeah. And I don't, there's, there's definitely some really cool knives that go around and pass arounds and like would be cool to check out. But to me, it's just like, I'd rather not, I, I just want to be as autonomous as a channel as I can be, I guess. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm part of it. I don't participate a lot though. Like I, you know, they, they will put up knives channels on Slack is what we use. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time I don't sign up every once in a while, you know, I will. But like the one thing that I don't like about it is that you can't use the knives most of the time. Yeah. See that. And for me, it's like, non-starter for me. I can't really give a, re- and I've gotten, I, I won't say names or anything, but um, some, conversations back and forth like that you can't the manufacturer doesn't want you to do that they don't want you to use enough i'm like then that's I not a review cutting, i was cutting things with it like what do they want me to do with this knife like it's a it's a cutting tool how right. dare i cut some cardboard or some you know carve some you wood, can review this you know? firearm but you can't shoot it <laughs> yeah i'm just like i don't think i can do this anymore like if this is really how it's gonna be like if you guys are gonna get like on my case about it like i to me it's hard I have a hard time with that. And I, you know, I get a lot of feed. I don't get feedback, but I hear a lot of feedback on other people's channels that like, don't really use the knives. I'm like, how are you giving a review on that knife? If you haven't actually physically put it in your hand and cut things with it. And I'm not talking like computer paper. You know what I mean? I'm like, really? You know, and you don't have to abuse the heck out of it. I'm not going to do, you know, my mini Adamas video was a little over the top more than I normally do, but it was fun. And the knife did great. And it's got a lot of use. And it's like, that was real use though. I mean, a little maybe abuse more than use, but right. you know what I mean? Like it, uh, there's, I just, a lot of guys were review nice and they don't even like cut anything with them. And I'm like, I can't, to me that I don't take, I don't value that really, you know? Yeah. Like I don't. I noticed I, I, for a while I saw a pattern of certain channels. I don't notice it nearly as much anymore, but like I would see them do an unboxing as a knife like came out, right? Like they'd get it on a drop, and so like, I know they didn't get an early copy. They bought it on the drop. Like they said, they unboxed it. And then like within 24 hours, there'd be a full review. And in that full yeah. review, they'd be talking about performance. And it was like, stop. I don't believe you. I'm out. Like, there's no you, way you, yeah, I did anything with this. You carried it in one here. pair of pants and like, yeah. maybe you cut some cardboard with it. And like, I don't know. I just think those things take time. And I, I don't hate people for doing it. Like I no. just, to me, I have to, I do an unboxing. I do a first impressions, which is like, I've started to use it. This is what I'm finding so far. And sometimes I find out a lot more because then when it's been at least a week and I've used it enough to feel comfortable talking about it. So that if anybody called me out and was like, well, I don't think you really did. It'd be like, no, I actually definitely did. And I could say that with confidence without lying. Then I'll do my full review. Like, yeah. Otherwise I'd feel bad about it. I, I wouldn't be willing to shoot the review unless I had that much experience. And in the cases where it's been a loner, I can't really use as soon as I jump into the review. I'm like, look, this is more of like a, a deeper impressions. This isn't a review or, or an overview or yeah. you know what I mean? Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. But this is yeah, not I a use review. Like it's, it's just not. Yeah. I try to do similar. I don't always do the three, you know, first impressions. I usually do like an unboxing, or a first impression video, then I do a final, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. in between that, and I've, and I've said it many, many times, and, and sometimes I put footage of me using it, and sometimes I don't. And it's like, I don't feel like I need to show it every time because I do the same process every time. I right. you know cut certain things that I eat, cut a knife, 
uh, I use an eye for, you know what yeah. I mean? And I cut a lot of things in a way that's not convenient to get the camera out and film too. Exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm like, opening something for my kid. I, I don't yeah. want to like, no, I, we're not getting. Yeah. I mean, everyone expect us to have like a, a GoPro on our shoulder all the time. So you're like, Every time you're out in the recycling bin cutting cardboard, you're like, I'm filming this, you know? And sometimes yeah. I'll, I do, and I'll grab my phone and put it up there. And I'll, when I think about it, I have time. But like, at the same time, like I've spent a lot of times in some steel testing videos I've done on Spiracle. I did all like Spiracle tools or all the Para 3 tool steels, essentially. Mm. I spent a lot of time on those and like a lot of cutting and a lot. And it just, they don't do great on views. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend this time and anymore to do that. You know, I'm still going to do those things behind the scenes, but I'm not going to put them in the video because it just doesn't seem to be like, you know, some that people are looking for. But then I did like the Domus video and people were like, oh, I love seeing this kind of stuff in videos. And I'm like, where were you on this other video? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. it's just, it's sporadic. So, you know, I, yeah, but the same went back to the past round conversation and those channels, I'm not calling out any channels. Like I've, you know, friends with most of these guys in the community so but it's like that's one thing i have a hard time with that pastor group it's like you can't usually use the knives you know very minor use and i'm like why are these companies saying this products to like not critique and use you know what i mean there was one designer in there i can't remember who i can't think of the name but i i gave a kind of a pretty honest review on his knife and he actually reached out to me and he's like i really appreciate that like mm. You know, and it was part of our pastoring group. And it was one we weren't supposed to use as hard as I did, but I did it anyway, just because whatever. And he was like, I really appreciate that. I'm going to work on that, you know, in my next design, my next update of this knife, because it's no one's really told me that. And I'm like, so you were, we're not doing designers and companies any favors by not actually being honest in our reviews, like, you know, like right. you're talking about, and you're actually using the products and critiquing them. Like, we're not doing them any favors. Like, yeah, and, and they may not care. They're like, we don't care. You're gonna, we're gonna sell, you know, tons of these knives regardless of your guy, this guy's opinion. But there is some well, makers out there. If you're surrounded by just yes men too, and everyone's yeah. just like, this is great, this is great, this is great, then a people on the actual market when they get it could be supremely disappointed, and you could face a problem with all these reviewers said it was really nice, and then someone actually gets one and it's not really nice, right? That could be a problem. But also long term, like if they're not getting genuine feedback from these people who they're sending it to, who would make most sense to get feedback from who are like, not to like toot our horns. Right. But we hold a ton of knives and use a ton of knives and carry a ton of knives. And so like, I, I feel like you get relatively discerning after a while. Uh, some things are preference, but other things are just like kind of objectively good or bad. Like if a blade grind is way too thick and not slicey enough to cut cardboard, you've made an EDC knife. Then like, you should probably revise that blade grind and get it a little thinner and people will like it better and the knife will sell better. And like those things are uh, like factually a, a little more clear, I think. And so, yeah, it just, if you only have people who are just like, this is great, my stamp of approval because they sent it and I love them. Like, this is so nice. Like people are going to stop liking your products after a certain amount of time because they'll realize all the reviewers are just saying nice things. And it's like, if you look up an Olight video and everyone's just saying this is the greatest light ever because they got it sent to them for free and they're only yeah. supposed to say nice things. Then like, after you get a few Olights, all of a sudden you might realize like, man, these lights actually aren't like that amazing. Like they're fine maybe, but that seems yeah. like a lot of marketing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, that's a good, there's a fine line between marketing and, you know, product reviews, I think, you know what I mean? And 
the it look like look at the Vero. Um, oh, that's my camera. The uh, this, this is the Synapse, the Gen mm -hmm. Two. Um, the pocket clip on this, like, it has a little bit of a hot spot for me and a lot of people. How it kind of yeah. bends up like that. And I made a comment on the Facebook group about it. And but before I did that, I noticed that he's already revising the design mm -hmm. based on feedback, right? Yeah. And I love that. I'm like, dude, this is why I'm a fan of his knives because he listens to his fans and says, okay, well, I, because for Joseph, he may not even feel that in his hand. You know, right. ergonomics. I'm of it he doesn't because I've talked to him about it before. Yeah. Yeah. So to him, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but there's enough people that, because, you know, anatomically, we all have different hands. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be the same for you and I. We might have different size hands and we have, you know, palms or whatever. Like there's things. And like for me, it, I love the Synapse and I use it and I'm not going to sell it or anything, but I'm excited that he's bringing out a revised clip and we're going to be able to buy them and to, you know, to possibly improve that. To mm -hmm. me, that's from feedback from people like us or, you know, Facebook group people or whatever. He's listening to that and he's making that change. And I'm like, that will win people over as a fan, I and mean, obviously Vero has a lot of fanboys, you know, right now, as we've talked, <laughs> the, the drops are insane. Um, but like, it's it's cool to see that, you know, but if you, if the companies don't, yeah, like to back to your point, like if we don't, aren't honest with that and say, call it out, I'm gonna fully call that out in my review of this knife. It has a hotspot from the clip. That's my one negative thing about this knife, honestly, one negative thing, big deal. But like, it, it, it could be a turnoff to someone and it might, cause them to not to buy that knife right yeah but i'm also going to mention but guess what the maker is revising his design of this pocket but using all of his knives to make it so it doesn't have that you know hot spot for a lot of people and it's because he's because people were giving their honest opinion and their honest reviews so if you're not doing that you know like z like zt knives used to have a pass around back in the day that I was part of but mm -hmm. there wasn't there was a it was a pretty tight-knit pass around it wasn't a lot of channels involved uh, it was through the USN. Uh, are you familiar with USN at all? I've said that a few times. I don't know if you're yeah, familiar. I haven't ever been to the gathering, and I'm not. I, you have to be a member of the USN, right? Is it kind of yeah, like yeah? It's I'm not a member. I not, should be, but I'm not. Not really. There's not much going on there. It's, there hasn't been for years. It, it's I, I'm not. I, I'm a member, but I never go on the forum. You know, yeah. but the I've heard the gathering awesome. is a great show, and I'd like to go Absolutely. to it. You totally should if you can, especially because it's pretty decently close to you. You know what I mean? It's in Vegas. Yeah, Vegas so. is three and a half hours. So it's not bad at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there, there was a forum on the USN that Kershaw ZT had, and the uh, main um, guy Thomas was like part of that, right? And he started a pass around for a few channels, and he would send us the new models and stuff. It was great. Mm -hmm. and this, I think, this was back when ZT was in their heyday, like when they were making really cool knives and a lot of good stuff and I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of them anymore. Not personally, I mean, just I have nothing they brought out. I like that 640 you have, I've had a few of those. Yeah, That's like the one, yeah, I probably have. I, I've, I've bought it a few times and sold it a few times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love those, like, and I love that you can change the scales. Like that's one of those models that's, that's tight. But like back in the day when um, I was reviewing these knives, one of my biggest gripes with DT was always the thickness behind the edge of a knife. It was so thick. Like they were like twenty five thousands and more, and not a lot of people, for some weird reason, measure that or take that into account. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that's a super important thing because that affects how the knife cuts, <laughs> and that's what knives are for, right? Is to cut. Yep. Like, so it's like, 
Blade geometry always... is a very important feature. Yeah. But you won't know if you don't use your knives all the time, right? You yeah. wouldn't really notice that. And um, I brought, I would bring that out and I'd say, you know, I just, if you just make the grinds a little thinner, it, I think it would be awesome, you know? And I, I think these knives would be better. And they didn't like that feedback, apparently, from a lot of people that said that, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that's why they eventually shut that pass around down. Mm. And it was really a lot of drama behind it. And I was like, Do you, are you guys just not liking the feedback you're getting? Because I think you would probably take that positively right. and go out and change your knives, you know, like thin the grinds out. I know it takes more time. It does take more labor, you know, when you're grinding the knife to thin out the edge, but like how much more time, right? Not, it can't be that much. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not a knife maker. I'm not going to pretend to know, but you look at like Savivi and, um, Savivi, let's just start with them. Budget knives that have really thin grinds. I've yeah. gotten some Savivi that are like 12,000s by the edge. I'm like, this is like I sent in for a regrind. This is nuts. Like, and it's, yeah. you know, super slicey. And I'm like, if they can do it for a $50 knife, $60 knife, why can't a $300 knife have that? That's like one of my biggest pet peeves of some expensive knives that are just, they're just not, they're not, they have horrible edge geometry. And that's, you don't know that unless you use the knife and figure it out, you know? Right. And then, so it's one of the things I've always looked for in fully knives is like, like the, the drift here is really thin behind the edge. You know, I'm like, it's and probably it's a like, super tall flat on yeah. thin stock. Yeah. Thin thing stock. It's a slicey and that's what knives are meant to do. And I, that's why I wonder why I like it. I'm like, it's slicey, you know? Um, but I've sold so many knives because they're too thick, you know, like Strider back in the day, man, they were like, pry bar thick like it was crazy but yeah. the newer striders that are um at least not the tantals the tantals are still pretty thick but like the uh um the hologram ones and stuff oh, i'm having a hard time with this video i don't know why it's reversed you're good <laughs> yeah it's like I, I, that's why i gotta do more videos like this because i'm like always messing with the knife but these are pretty thin they're like 16 17 000 which isn't way thin but that's for a bad. hard use but look how thick the stock is right like you look at that stock I think that's that, thinner than a PM2 behind the edge. It is. It's thinner than a PM2. This Strider and the other one I have too, both thinner behind the edge. But look at that stock. This is their fatty, so it's super yeah. thick, right? And it's but just it has hollow. good edge geometry. Yeah, it's got that hollow grind. It's good edge geometry, so it's like they still cut really well. But they're still overbuilt knives. I think that was ZT's marketing, right? Getting yeah. to their head because that used to be their marketing overbuilt, you know, Bit like a tank. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, well, just because it's built tough doesn't mean it doesn't need to cut well. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, like, like this guy. Like, think about the, uh, the Evo 2. We both love this knife. Mm -hmm. um, it's very thin behind the edge, but it's built really tough, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I That's would put it up stops. there. Yeah. It's, it's thick and robust. And, you know, it's like, it's almost like a strider to me. I compared that in my video because it was very yeah. strider esque to me. And I think that's one reason I love it because I like striders a lot. And I'm like, I think John Sorensen is a big strider guy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You can, it, it's obvious. You can, I mean, I pointed out in my video, but you can totally see the divine elements. And that's fine. I think it's, you don't see, you know, Mick Strider coming out and saying, hey, that's a copy of our knife. He's not doing that, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, I wish they would take that. You know, I wish you two would have taken that criticism to heart instead of just like, okay, well, we're not gonna listen to our reviewers and we're just gonna keep making super thick knives for the money because it's it does save costs, right? To, right. That's and the that's the only reason why you would do it. I get know? that it could be a frustrating thing to hear if you've already like come out with this model and you're proud of it and you like it for whatever reason as the maker, like 
the the OEM behind it. And then you get it to people and they're like, ah, we'd like this to be different. It's like, ah, but we're already done with it. You know, like, I yeah, can, I can yeah. see that can be frustrating, but I, I think, yeah, you just have to be able to step away from it and take it as an opportunity to be like, all right, like that's something we can improve on. And in subsequent runs, whether it's constant quality improvement or it's a, we're branding it as a whole new model, whatever it is, like that's a feature that will make this knife better. And if enough people are saying it, then it's probably true. And then we can test it and confirm that it's true. Like, Make well, a prototype with a thinner blade and see for yeah. yourself. And I was recently listening to a podcast um, a buddy of mine does, and he had a maker on who we've talked about this knife company. Um, I don't have to, I, I, I talk enough about this knife company, but um, people are going to be mad if I don't say now. Tim Reeve was the guest on this podcast. Yeah. And I've been confused in my own head about the the chris reeve knives under tim reeve now that that's kind of the direction it's going so i listened to the whole thing because i was curious genuinely and people get mad a lot of the time when i talk about chris reeve knives because i can be very critical of them um other people are like finally someone's saying what i've been thinking like it's just this weird polarizing thing but i listened to this whole over an hour long podcast of tim reeve and i was trying to just like just listen just hear what he had to say and there was one point where he was really complaining about people who complain about thinness behind the edge. And he described it in a vulgar way of just saying that it's really whiny when people talk about that. And I was like, I could not disagree with you more. And to be fair, I think he was specifically like, he doesn't like it when one of his end users gets one in and they're like, I've been told these are 15,000s behind the edge and mine's 17. So can I send it back in and you grind it thinner? Like, yeah, that's a little yeah. bit uh, I yeah. would as a maker be mad about that. But like as a reviewer, I don't do measurements and stuff. That's not my thing. But when I watch mm -hmm. other people's videos, I do look for that info. And yeah. if it's a knife that I'm researching, thinness behind the edge is one of the greatest metrics of performance in terms of how a knife is going to slice. Yeah. Like the geometry is what's doing the cutting. You know, like, yeah. and people who don't get that infuriate me. I'm doing a video. I'm hopefully going to shoot it tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> comparing a double-edged Microtech that some people vehemently say is one of the best cutters out there. And I'm going to compare it to my Maximet Para 3, not because the steel, but because Para 3 has a certain geometry, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to demonstrate that this slices so much better than this does. Because it does. It's geometry. It's yeah. thinness behind the edge. It's height of the grind. It's the profile of the blade. If yeah. both of them have the same sharpness of edge and they're both in a good steel, the defining factor is going to be the blade geometry and how it yeah. slices through like continuous media like cardboard or even cuts through hoses or rope or whatever it is. And it just it drives me mad when people are like, well, as long as it has a sharp edge on it, it doesn't matter. It's like it yeah. absolutely well, doesn't matter. And funny enough, when people say the opposite, like when they say it's got thin blade stock, I'm like, thin blade stock doesn't do you any good if it's not thin behind the edge. It's right. nice, but it's not going to cut any better than a thicker, like that strider that has a thick blade stock that's thinner on the edge. Like that strider's going to cut better. Like, yep. and, and people can't get, it's weird. People can't wrap their head around it for some reason. I don't know. It's definitely a subject that's been, I think, a little polarizing in our community. And there's there was a few channels out there that were trying to like, to try and to like educate people on that. Um, like super still Steve was one of them. And yeah, he's done some great uh, videos, like diagramming Brian, it out. Big Brown bear knives. I mean, he's a custom knife maker. He knows that geometry more than most people yeah. do. He's, he's amazing. 
but like there was another uh vero not vero because that's michael christie or something michael christie there was another dude that was like friends with super steel steve outpost 76 he's another one it was like him his name sounds like vero but it's not vero it's because obviously vero isn't vero engineering but he made some really good videos and he hasn't been made videos in a long time because a lot of those guys were making videos like that and they just were not getting views yeah you know and and i remember having conversations with some of these guys they're like I just assume we're done with our channels because no one cares about actual cutting geometry. They just want to see the next titanium flipper on, you know, this bigger channel that does a review on them. And I'm like, I'm like, man, that's frustrating. You know, I wish a big channel would like, and I've tried to talk and I talk about it in all my videos, but I've tried to like emphasize it and it just seems to fall in deaf ears, man. You know, right. it's, it's one of those things that, I think it gets more into the realm of knives being fidget toys than cutting tools. You know what I mean? Which and there's no fine. reason why. Yeah. If people can be honest about that's what they want, yeah. then that's fine. But don't, when I get upset is when people try to act like it's factual because they're emotional about it because they love a thing. It has to be the best. That's not, it's not an acceptable answer to me. And I can say I'm wrong when I'm wrong. I like, I don't have problems admitting that I've been wrong about things before I've done steel comparison videos where I've cited like things that I thought were true and weren't. And like, that's fine. Right. Like yeah. I, at yeah. one point in a video comparing Van X to LC 200 N said that Van X I thought was tougher than LC 200 N as well. It's not LC 200 N is the tougher steel. Van X does have better edge retention and at least as good corrosion resistance. And to me, I prefer the edge retention. Like, but if somebody's yeah. trying to make the argument that they prefer that because they prefer LC200N, that it's the better steel. It's like, stop. Better better to you yeah. means a different thing than it does to other people then. And better typically means superior, right? And it's it's demonstrably yeah. not. It is not superior unless you're looking for toughness, right? So it's like when when people just emotionally blurt out these words, like this is the best. It's This knife has the best cutting geometry because I've always loved cutting with it. It's like, that doesn't mean that it's the best. That means you have to get good it to the competition. Or that it even has good edge geometry. <laughs> like it yeah. might not, you know? Yeah. It, that was an eye opening thing for me too when I first got into knives because I was, you know, big into ZT at first and thought these ZTs are awesome and the cutting thing. But then I got to the point where I'm like, these things are thick. I think it was uh, Dave from the Knife Snugs podcast. Mm -hmm. He used to have a channel. I don't think he's done anything on a long time, but. I can't remember the name of his channel, but we are, we've gone way back in knives and stuff, chatted for a long time. And he, he would ask me, he's like, how thick behind the edge is that? And how thick behind? And so I started finally having the car. This is when I was first in the knives kind of, I was like, I'm like, you're gonna have to educate me on this. Cause I don't, I don't really know what you mean by that. You know? Yeah. And I was willing to admit it. I was reviewing knives at the time. And I'm like, I just learned something very important <laughs> that I'm not addressing that is important to cutting tools. And he's like, Oh yeah. You know, the thinness behind it. And so this is years ago, educating me on that. So it's like, now it's something that I've been passionate about and I've like always tried to, to make sure. And I've sold, like I said, I've sold knives. I'm like, this thing's too thick. Mm -hmm. I would sell my Hinderer XM18 if it wasn't, wasn't like something that's kind of sentimental. I bought it right from Rick Hinderer's pocket, that's awesome. which was really cool. You know what I mean? I, how many people can say they not only sat in chat with Rick Hinderer for like an hour, but like bought his knife out of his pocket. So I'll yeah. never sell it. It's super thick money. It's like 27,000 or something crazy. And I've sharpened it a few times. I have knives yeah. that break my rules of preferring thin behind the edge. Like yeah. my Demco 8020, the thing is stupid thick behind the edge. The whole thing is, is stupid. Is it really? Thick. 
I mean, I was worrying about that knife. Yeah. So the machine ground one, yeah. If you spring for the extra four hundred bucks and get the hand ground hollow grind one, then that one will be much thinner. But yeah, like I've also for me, that's a knife that goes in my pocket if I'm literally like going on an intense hike, especially if I don't have my pack with a fixed blade on me. Then it's like mm -hmm. if I've got a folder on me and I need to be able to like beat it through a log, that's the one. You know, like yeah. and to me, I look at it as literally more of a chopper than I do a slicer because. It's a big, heavy outdoor knife for me. Yeah. And, and for, for that, I justify it and I love carrying it and it will cut things if I want to, but the geometry is super far from slicey compared to most knives I would EDC. And it's like, I just love it. I like fidgeting with it. I like playing with it. I love how tanky it feels. So I keep it around and it's one of my favorite knives, but it's like, I'm also not going to sit there and tell anyone with a straight face that this is a good slicer. It's yeah. not. It's yeah. not as designed to be. No, and, and that's actually a good point is is design has a lot to do with it, right? Like if you look at a big fixed blade, like a, oh, what's a popular, like SE6 SE or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that people are going to take out in the woods and they're going to beat baton. Those aren't thin bindings at all. Basically you know, a small machete. Yeah. Yeah. They're almost like a, you know, yeah. And it's like, they don't, but they're not designed to be like, they need to be tough at the edge, right? Mm -hmm. Not, and you can make a knife super thin and super tough if you're heat right. treat on your steels right you know what i mean that's and all certain part of the steels equation. have great edge stability and like yeah that's the whole thing yeah. too but in general yeah. yeah adding more material there it's going to make it stronger there's more yeah. structure right so it, it, design like you know the philosophy of use i know that's a total nut and fancy thing that he used to say all the time in his videos i did agree with that though i was like this i talk about that a lot yeah there is a philosophy of use for every knife i think like how does this knife fit into, you know, you know, what, what is the design purpose? And I think understanding the design purpose, like if you look at the drift, right? It, it's designed to be a small, lightweight knife that is pretty much rust proof that you can take. If you look at the marketing forum and for quiet carry, they're all about like outdoors, kayaking, you know, being in the salt water. Salt water. Yeah. Salt water. It's, it's designed for that. And it's not going to be, you know, but that's what it, to, to understand that, you know what I mean? Does it mean it can't be a good EDC knife if you don't go in the water? Well, absolutely. Like, it's fantastic. It's slicey. It's small, thin, you know, checks a lot of boxes for me. But, like, I'm probably never going to take it in the water that often. Right. I just don't live by the ocean or salt water. It's like I might take it to the water park and put it in my board shorts. <laughs> you know Dude, I mean? I've gone swimming with my waypoint so many times just because I can. Like, yeah. do I need a knife in the pool? Absolutely not. Like at my brother-in-law's house swimming with the kids, but this is absolutely clipped to my waistband and my board shorts because I can, and because I don't have to worry about it. And I nerd out about that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm going to bring it. Yeah. But it's, it's, I think understanding the philosophy or the design, you know, elements of the knife, like how it was designed, what it was designed for. Yeah. Demco didn't design the 80, 20 to be a super slight. I mean, look at the size of that thing. It's massive, right? Yeah. Did you see today they announced their, uh, the I, I was going to talk about that. I'm glad you brought yeah. it up. Yeah. I was stoked. I was like, cause I like a little bit smaller knife. I don't like tiny, not, you know, like, but yeah. medium size. And I was super, I was like, I've always wanted an 80, 20, but man, if I got one, I don't think I'd keep it because I would, because it's so big. I wouldn't carry it. Yeah. I'll um, loan you mine if you want to check it out. I would love to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cause yeah. I, I'm and it's a user. More, you can beat on it. I've been more interested in, yeah, I'm more interested in the, in the locking mechanism and just, you know, checking out an actual Demco versus like a cold steel. Like yeah. I've never checked out a Demco, you know, knife, yeah. just the cold steel designs, but like, yeah, I was super stoked when I saw that and it's going to come out re really recently priced. Like, I guess it's going to be made overseas, which is fine. Taiwan. You know? Yeah. I, here's but what like, I think is happening. I think 
they're using cold steel for the manufacturing, but they're not branding it as cold steel. It's clearly just, it's coming in a Demco box. It doesn't say cold steel anywhere on it, but it's made of OS 10 a and totally mm -hmm. cold steel steel. They're whatever cold steel calls their plastic and yeah. it's made in Taiwan. And it's like Demco has been part of cold steel for a very long time. So that relationship oh, yeah. makes a lot of sense. So I imagine it'll be a lot like a cold steel bit one. My gripe with it is I don't like plastic. I don't like OS 10 a and but I love the shark lock and he's going to make a version in the shark's foot, which is basically a sheep's foot, but for them, yeah. and like, I, it's a thinner, smaller. I want one. I'll, I'll try one for sure. But I hope that oh, yeah. that being like the production model, I hope there comes that version, but in G10 with a, a better blade steel and then I'll be real stoked. Yeah. I was hope I was actually a little disappointed when I saw that it was, um, I think you said Zytel or whatever they call it. It's, plastic and the austin i was like oh like why wouldn't we just do it and because he's run that any 20 in like crewware and yeah, so he's 3v 20 cv 3v and then he's done some in crewware i don't know if there's been any others because sometimes he'll just do like a little batch of them and something that he got uh um, yeah but mine's in 3v which i wanted because to me it's like that's the most bruiser steel for the most yeah. bruiser knife absolutely I, and Kruwer is really good too. I I, I really like Kruwer's steel. So Kruwer is right that, there with 3V in my opinion. It's a yeah, super toughness totally. focused steel. Yeah. I was disappointed. Though. I was like, uh, so I, I hope they he does make a he makes that model in his you know because his I don't know if we call them customs. You know, with Demco, it's you know, like you said, they're not they're not how, not all of them are hand ground blades and such like that. But like yeah, the machine you know, ground ones I'd call really kind of a mid tech because they're making them just the two brothers there in their shop. They're using machines, but they're doing it. It's just the two of them, and then they're assembling them and tuning them. So I feel like to me, the closest word for it is probably mid tech. But the hand ground ones, I guess you could make the contention that those are custom because they are grinding them by hand. So that's but even yeah, for for his designs, that they're reasonably priced. Like I'm not talking the secondary market on the right. <laughs> Yeah, I paid four twenty five new. I think for my three B one. To me, I would pay that all day for that smaller one, or even maybe a little less because it's smaller, maybe four hundred or three seventy five. Mm -hmm. Have it night come in a nicer steel and have it come G ten, and I would be all over that like all day long. Like you know, yeah, yeah that's I saw yeah, that, that. I was excited. That but little, little guy, thinner and smaller in twenty CV for me. Like absolutely, I would carry that as an EDC, and I would love it. Um, yeah. And if it was a little thick behind the edge, like it's bigger brother, then I'd probably just send it to like John over at BGM or something. And, Cause I love the design and I love the lock and it's like, it's a great knife in my opinion, but it's, have you it's sent any, uh, speaking of regrinds, have you sent any knives to Micah Sontag at all? I haven't, I've seen a bunch of people and they all look amazing. I actually haven't had anything reground yet and I need to change that. I've got a couple of knives. This, this pair of three was, this is not, I'm using my webcam, so this is not coming through very well, but this is reground by him, uh, about 10,000 on the edge. And it's, uh, it's, it's K390. K390. Yeah. It's, uh, I chose, so I had all, I had all of this tool still pair of threes. And, and I tested all of them. And I think my, my favorite was K390 um, of all the stills, but I sent it to him to get reground and he does a really good job. Um, one of the guys I follow on Instagram and YouTube, um, thinking of his name, Thomas Huskow or something like that outdoors. Thomas or, yeah. Thomas yeah, that guy. yeah. 
he sent his uh i'm so bad with names like people are probably like, this guy doesn't know how to say anyone's names i'm so bad at it like in real life if i like saw you and i knew you i would be like hey dude like i don't remember your name like i'm just bad remembering people's dude's names. cool if we ever meet don't worry yeah, no, I mean, I know your name is Jake, and I probably won't forget that, but, like, you know what I mean? It's a lot of people I see, I'm like, hey, you, how's it going? Yeah. Girls I did in high school, no idea what their name is. So, um, That's just because you're a player. <laughs> he had the pair, or the mini Adamas reground mm -hmm. by him. I saw And it that. looked so good. I was like, I'm going to send mine over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mine yeah. was actually, mine was, my mini Adamas was thin behind the edge. Like, mm. it was about, I think, 18,000, 17,000 for a bruiser knife like that's pretty good. Yeah, that's I was pretty bad. happy with it. I did not expect that. Benchmade is definitely not a company that I expect a thin ground blade from. I just there's the bug out is pretty thin too. I think it's around the same um, right. factory, but like the 940 is pretty thick. You know, a lot of those. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna send mine in to get reground by him because it's that's pretty crazy what he did to his and it looks so good. I thought. Yeah, Just and because it became two-tone with the coated blade, I've been, yeah. so I have a, it's actually in my vault case, but I have a Protec Mordax, and I also yeah. have the Malibu, which I love, but the Mordax, I've been thinking about having reground. I have them both in the all-black version, too, which makes it even more fun, but um, my kind of, like, hang-up with doing the Mordax is, like, I kind of enjoy that it is all-black, but then seeing Tom's coated crew wear mini Adamas and how like you get the belt satin and then the coating up on the flats still like yeah. when you didn't regrind it it looks really rad so i'm probably going to do it for my mordax soon yeah it, and he's pretty reasonable i think if i i don't remember what i paid but like a pair of three i think it was under a hundred dollars or something like that yeah, that's to, get not to get a really thin edge i'm like i just want it yeah it's, i mean it's like a tom crime regrind but like way less expensive and not crazy weight at times so yeah, he did regrind a Strider for uh, a buddy of mine. That's a Tanta one, and you got it. And that one was going to be pretty pricey to regrind. Yeah, because it's it a was compound, a lot more right? Yeah, it was compound, so it's way more complex. So I was going to do a Strider because it was the Tantos are really thick. Um, I ended up just selling it because I didn't want to have too thick of. I mean, I had already had multiple Striders at the time too, but mm. but yeah, like you know, the design of the the knife. Going back to that topic is it's important to know like why they designed it the way they did if you can find that information out and i think a lot of reviewers don't do that and so they kind of like like that like if you were to review the so let's say you reviewed the 8020 and you're like it's just not slicey it's not you know thin behind the edge i don't want it and i'm like you'd be kind of missing like you've well you're missing kind of the point of the design of the knife right mm -hmm. you know and, and i do that i'm sure i do that on videos no yeah. doubt in my mind and people have called me out for it before i'm like you know what you're right it's not designed to be that way but that doesn't change my opinion that i don't like it because it's that way you know what i mean right but yeah, i think it is i think both though. both things can be true at the same time like yeah i i could maybe miss the point that this knife imaginary that i'm not holding right now is supposed to be a tactical fighting knife like i could totally miss that and i could be talking about it for its merits as an edc knife and say that it's really bad and yes i would have missed the point that it's supposed to be a tactical knife but for me, I wasn't looking for a tactical knife anyways. So as much as it's unfair, I, I think a lot of people are also like they're watching reviews if they're knife enthusiasts and they use all their knives pretty much the same way. And so like some feedback is feedback, but I do, I think it's most fair. And I love when I've had makers on here and had like long form conversations with them 
if I get the chance to ask them, like, what's your, like, where do you see this knife being used? What was your vision for the model? Is this an EDC knife? Is this an outdoor adventure knife? Is this a tactical knife? What is this a cheese knife? Like, what kind of knife is it for you as you designed it? And it's fun to get their answers because sometimes like at least part of the answer catches me off guard. It's like, you know what? I can see how it would be really, really good for that. Like yeah. my buddy, Nick Rogers from niche designs with his ingress that he designed at first is like that knife was so focused on being really for like paper tape and cardboard. <laughs> it was supposed to be like what most people actually do with their EDC knives. If they work in a like, or if they're in like a home or office environment, it's that kind of stuff, right? Maybe the yeah. occasional zip tie, but like mostly opening boxes and then cutting them up. Like, and, and it was yeah. phenomenal for that. But if you looked at that knife and tried to judge it as an outdoor folder, it'd be terrible. It would not be the yeah. right choice at all. You know, and it's like, it's good to keep that in mind and then try to talk about it within that realm. And then maybe inject some of your personal, like, I get that it might be good for that. I'm not an expert on that. So what I'll say is I wouldn't yeah. like it for the way I use knives. Yeah. And you look at like the Yo Jimbo too, it's designed as a defensive knife, you know, mm -hmm. but it's actually a really good EDC knife that, that Warren Glove plate is goes, I mean, most of us, I think majority of knife users and then they cut cardboard more than anything. Right. Yeah. I, I did like a survey Jimbo for a long time and loved yeah. EDCing that knife. Yeah. And it cuts, it cuts well, like it, especially through cardboard, like that worm cliff blade is, is really good for that purpose. And that tip is fantastic at cutting through like oh, yeah. anything soft to medium density. It just penetrates and slices. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it wasn't designed that way as a hundred percent a defensive knife, you know, the whole design of the, the handle. So actually I did a view, a review on that knife. I did a, I did a, what's it? Who did the chops? Who was doing the chops on the Ojimbos? They called it. Oh my gosh! It was one of those Instagram guys. I don't think it was Mike Santag. What is it? Someone like got Jurassic Blades or something? Yeah, I think it was Jurassic Blades. Yeah, they were doing like the Ojimbo chop where they kind of like they took the hump it. off of it. Yeah, and it looked way. It looked more like yeah the um the the Jaeger M. I love the the design of it, right? And I got like I did a video on it, and guys were like going nuts on me in the comment section, like. Oh, you just ruined that knife. It was designed this way for a reason. The handles, you know, or the blades this way for a reason. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's way cooler looking now. And it, I like it better. So who cares? <laughs> right. right. You know what I mean? But it's, it's kind of funny, but you know, that's a good example of a knife that has multi uses, you know? Um, you know, and like I, people saying you've ruined your Integra by building it into a race car. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, ruined it as a daily driver maybe but like yeah i made it, it my yeah. own and i i don't know I, yeah. to be fair i i get mad at people who like do ridiculous camber on their car and like <laughs> are scraping that drives me crazy to yeah. me that's ruined yeah but like if that makes that person happier i also just have to remove myself from it and be like those mods made them like it more good for them yeah they're happy i, I had a buddy that uh he used to be in he used to run together like he had a Toyota MR2 that he had souped up and we used to, he used to go out to the, the drags and everything like that. And years later he still had it and he then turned it into some like just slammed to the ground camber, like all over the place. And I was like, Chad, what did you do to your car? It was so awesome before, you know, yep. he loved it like that, you know? And I'm like, you know, again, like those modifications, I, I was all about the performance modification I wanted it to look clean and like inconspicuous and not draw attention, no big giant wings on it. You know what I mean? Like sleeper car. Sleeper, total sleeper. 
I mean, I would roll up on vets and stuff on the freeway and they'd look at my car like, and I would just dust them. They'd be like, what the freak? You know, I love that. Like, I know what that guy's thinking right now. Like, holy crap. I just got destroyed by a freaking Integra that like looked bone stock. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Didn't look fast. So, you know, but if I did any kind of improvement to that car, it was for performance reasons. So whether it be handling or, you know, you know, horsepower or whatever, but like that was what my, you know, way I looked at it, but, and I looked at those guys that put those giant wings and made them all rice, you know, ricey and stuff. And I'm like, I hate that. Like, ugh. but that's, you know, to each their own. Like you said, right. <laughs> to me, it was stupid, but that's okay. Like that's your, do you do you, man? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think every hobby you're going to find people who like find different value in it. Right. Like there's the guys who are into customs who like, you and I might not see the allure that they see in those knives that they buy. And then there's also like, there's people who buy, they build an entire giant collection of just budget knives and they spend as much or more money on knives than I do. They just have a ton more of them and they're all budget ones. And it's like, that wouldn't really make me happy either. But to each of those people on the other end of the spectrum from me, I might be this weirdo on the Island who they're like, why are you playing like in the middle, you know, like either yeah. step up or step down. Like, but there's there's nothing in in the range that I play in that's for them, and I don't know. Then there's modders and there's like there's hobbyists and there's there's people who buy for all kinds of different reasons and do all kinds of different things. There's people who put spidey holes and sabenzas and the purists get mad and it's like you know, like it's it's the whole thing. Yeah, and I I think it should at a certain point just kind of be celebrated for what it is and as long as people aren't a-holes about disagreeing, like the disagreement can actually be fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's part of the hobby. And then, like you said, any hobby has it, cars had it, wasn't that guns, people, you know, put stuff on their guns. It's absolutely ridiculous. It does nothing for help, you know, performance. Again, like I have that same mentality with guns as I do with, you know, when I did with cars and maybe that's You're just my personality. On 1911s? No, no. <laughs> No, I, I, you know, I run my rifles and stuff pretty minimalist, you know, but very functional and, mm -hmm. you know, it's that, but teach their own again. Like that's, that's part of it. You're going to find that in any hobby. You know what I mean? I'm not going to down on dog on people for doing that. I mean, maybe I will behind their back, but you know, or if you're, if you're a buddy <laughs> straight to their face, kick them in the Oh, nuts. I will. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, bro, that's no, that's we call that mall ninja in the gun world. Right. Don't eat right. mall ninja in your air. Yeah. But like, you know, my, my stepdad has an AR-15 and he got one with a big old, like had a, a light and a laser combo built into the grip and it's just horrible. And I'm like, Oh, you just don't know any better. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I, you know, he's my stepdad. I'm like, man, that's cool. I like your AR-15. I don't my think stepdad. I've ever fired any rifle with a laser on it. I've fired like snub nose 38s and a couple of handguns with lasers on them. And I, I think it, it has its place, I suppose. But I feel like on a rifle, I probably wouldn't want a laser yeah. on it. That has a place on a rifle is an IR laser. And those are maybe some high vision. You if know, you're looking that. through your nods, then yeah. That makes sense. But I don't have a night vision goggle. I don't have night vision goggles, so I'm not ever going to have a laser on my gun. <laughs> you know I mean? Right. To me, like a red dot is essentially like that. Like it's yeah. an easy way to aim. Same with pistols that have optics. Like I don't, I have a buddy that has a little bit of shaky hands. Um, mm -hmm. and he had this, he had a laser on his SIG, uh, P226 or something like that. And he's at the range and we're shooting next to each other and it's just dancing all over the place. And I was just laughing. I was like, you ain't hitting the side of a barn with that thing, man. 
That's that awesome. lasers all over. It's like just dancing everywhere, just giving them a hard time. I'm like, you know, take that crap off your gun. You don't need it, you know. But yeah, he didn't know. Sometimes people just do things because they see things and they look cool. Right. Like, look at a lot of nice people buy. There's some nice people buy, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> but you thought it looked cool. You know, it was funny when we were watching that. Um, I was watching that live stream with you guys. Um, Kyle had that that Punisher Manix he was starting to sell. The Punisher thing. I was like, remember when that was like super popular to put on everything? Like, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh. And he even said that. He's like, yeah, I thought it was cool back then. But <laughs> I right. think someone actually, did someone buy that knife? I think so. And at Fast least it feet. wasn't a Punisher skull with the thin blue line through it. That would have been oh, yeah. a little more yeah. cringy. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I saw that. I was like, ooh, that's going to be a hard one to sell. Like, I don't yeah. know. And someone bought it. I was like, hey, there's some guy out there that still likes Punisher. Cool. And it's a motivator <laughs> for sure to like, to buy the things that just catch your attention and look cool. Like, mm -hmm. it, and if it makes you happy again, like awesome. Speaking of nods and lasers too, every time I watch the movie 13 hours, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're with that movie. Oh, every yeah. time I watch that movie when they're on the rooftop and they're all, they have their night vision on and they're using those to like, just call out targets and just like picking people off one at a time as they're trying to advance on the compound. It's like, oh, I need night vision goggles and a really Dude. cool laser on a rifle. <laughs> yeah. No, so I have some buddies that have some and they were, they actually just did a night shoot the other night. So they're posting some of their footage and I was like, who in the heck in our group has night vision goggles and IR lasers on there? I'm like, that's a lot of money. You're talking, you're talking lots of money. That's yeah. stepping up way up there. You know, I'm like, um, as much as I would love to own those, when would I ever use them? A eh? besides like in my backyard or walking through my house at night to LARP, you know? <laughs> right. I can hardly afford um, enough ammo to shoot as oh, much as I want, let alone to be getting not just really expensive rifle setups, but then full on nods and optics and like that support. Like it's just, that's intense. That's another level, but yeah. Yeah. It's nods are, that's a whole other level of, we were talking about in our group chat recently and I was like, all right, I'm not here. I'm not that level yet. <laughs> Will I get Maybe there? One I day. Yeah. Hey, you know, I just barely started wearing the plate carrier, you know, at the range and actually getting body armor and stuff like that. that's something pretty new for me too, you know? And I'm like, Oh, maybe I should get some, you know, and why not? They're not expensive. Like you can get I really decent get plates. One. You can get decent plates for around a hundred bucks from, mm -hmm. uh, Botac tactical LA police gear. They, they have some pretty decent plates for, you, you know, and you can get a good plate carrier for a couple hundred bucks, like a quality one. And mm -hmm. it's comfortable. And you know, if you do go down that road, let me know. And I'll, walk you through some stuff but because uh, i just barely went through it myself you know and i had a lot of knowledgeable friends that helped me pick the right stuff but mm -hmm. i actually used that i don't really ever wear it and i said i'm gonna train in this this you know this right and i'm gonna wear it and dude it's it's crazy carrying that extra weight around and moving with it yeah it's like intense like it was a workout like we were getting cardio big time that day you know and i'm like yeah. you know what good to do it because it adds extra weight and i see guys at my gym like you were mentioning those guys running. Mm -hmm. I see guys in my gym with plate carriers doing yeah. kettlebells and you know stuff like that. And I'm like, maybe I'll start wearing my plate carrier to the gym. <laughs> I, think like, I, I might be decent at it because I hike so much with a decently heavy pack on, especially because yeah. I film a lot outdoors. So I've got like camera gear and knives and like all my typical day pack stuff and water. So I feel like I'm used to having weight on, but it's different having it all on your back for sure than having on your chest too. And Yeah. yeah so let's, 
I have I have a front plate and a rear plate, so it's kind mm-hmm. of evenly weighted, you know. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. It's it's definitely better. Like when I took it off because I had worked for quite a few runs and I was getting it gets you get, it just gets sweaty, you know. And I'm just like I'm just going to take it off for this next run. And I felt like twenty pounds lighter. Yeah, I don't think it's like very waist. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, but I'm like I was faster on that one. I was like, wow, there's something behind like you know having and with body armor stuff you can get crazy nice plates that are really lightweight but they're still right. super strong and it costs like level four dollars. plates that are super light yeah so i have level four plates but they're like heavy because they're you know steel like they're not or they're, they're actually ceramic mixed it's some sort of ceramic right? yeah composite yeah but like the really really high-end stuff that special ops and stuff would wear they're they're really pricey but they're they're super lightweight but they need them you yeah. know, all those guys are out there doing what they do. Like they need the best protection, but they also need the lightest weight that they can have. And they're going to pay those kind of money, but they, you know, that could save their life. Like for me, hopefully I don't ever have to use it. And it's nice to have, but I'm not going to go out and spend four grand on fair plates. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'll so, do that after I buy the night vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once I get to night vision level, then it's, you know, where's, where do you go from there? Yeah. That's where do you go from there? Stuff. Yeah. Well, I probably had a bit, it's getting kind of late. And I know my, my house is kind of like uh, going to bed, I think. So it might be time for me to cut no problem, off, man. man. Well, cool. I uh, I really appreciate you doing this. And we went longer yeah. than we had originally planned on. So I appreciate hey, you taking fun. the extra time. Yeah, um, I had a good chat. Good good talking with you. Great chat. I had a good time. So, you know, it felt like, wow, we almost went three hours. And it did not feel like that at all. So It has a way of doing that. But uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much sincerely for coming on and yeah. hopefully we'll do it again another time in the I'd future. Yeah. You're welcome back anytime. And uh, yeah. Uh, where can people who aren't, uh, if this is on YouTube, it'll be linked down below as normal. But <laughs> if people are listening, where can they find you Instagram, YouTube, where should they be looking for you? Yeah. So obviously YouTube, EDC gear reviews, just do a search on YouTube. You can find my channel, uh, same handle on Instagram. So you can follow me. I'm, it's not a part private page or anything you can follow it um ec gear reviews on instagram and i also have a facebook page like it's not the best place to go though because i don't do much with it so i would just say instagram and and uh and youtube is definitely the easiest place to find me pretty simple channel to search up so yeah perfect edc gear reviews it is for both (laughs) awesome yep well tyler seriously thank you so much man and uh yeah we'll see you on the next one thank you everybody for listening this has been episode number 17 And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, man.